Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to a very special edition of the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you very much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. Wait for it. Wait for it. His name is Padawan J. Let me talk to you. Yeah. Uh, just got to say, I think you agree with me. The snowstorm we just had through our particular area of the Northeast came in like a wet fart. Yeah, it definitely did. Uh, we had some forecasters in the area saying, well, first it was like one to two inches. Mm-hmm. Then it got up to three to four. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, not a ton of snow. We did experience five feet a couple years ago. Not a ton of snow, but mild inconvenience. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it got upped in some uh, forecasters from three to seven, which I know is an odd range, but uh, is what it is. So here I am thinking, all right, well, if it, you know, hopefully it doesn't get too crazy. And then we woke up this morning and I don't know about you, but I had maybe half an inch. Yeah, it definitely was not the snowpocalypse that some people were predicting. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that kind of threw a little wrench in our scheduling this week. So for you, the listener you get a fusion episode of the ODPH. So we're going to be talking the entire parlay of topics. We're going to be talking movies, TV, comics, sports, and pro wrestling. It's all under one roof. And if you want to keep that conversation going after the show, Pad, where does everybody go to? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. So if you want to go there for the T Public Store link, because it's beginning to look a lot like holiday season shopping time, isn't it? Yes. That's where you need to go if you want to get some ODPH swag for the holidays. Also, the Patreon link, one tier, $2 a month, and bonus content is there for you. The blog section, the classifieds, which has friends of the show, such as 3FM Podcast, Dragon Master Games, Nerd Initiative. Oh, there's a lot of stuff going on with the fine folks over at Nerd Initiative, so if you want to find out about that, you simply click on there and you can get all the information, boom, right at your fingertips. Also, we got the music section, which, I mean, we have so many of our friends out doing big things. Tom Jolu and Shout Out the Robots are out playing. Brian Wolf and the Howlers are making some rounds down in Texas, and Brian's due back home here in the upstate New York region. Saw the poster. Very, very soon, yeah. He's got a big show lined up here in upstate New York, so if you want to go hear him, he's got all the information there. Second Suitor, Floodlands, the list goes on and on. Basically, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media to use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off this fusion edition of the show, we have to recap a wild week of NFL action week 14 got a little crazy and we definitely have to dive into that so we are going to do our usual recap of the week that was so pad kick us off yeah we're going to start with my lock uh because I chose the Baltimore Ravens to defeat the Los Angeles Rams which I figured they would but Mm -hmm. I figured it'd be a lot easier than what they made it out to be uh because the Baltimore Ravens beat the LA Rams 37 to 31 in overtime uh, Lamar Jackson, 24-43, 316 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception. Matthew Stafford, 23-41 for 294 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Kyron Williams led the way for Los Angeles in rushing with 25 carries, 114 yards rushing, zero touchdowns. Lamar Jackson led the way for Baltimore with 11 carries, 70 yards, no touchdowns. For receiving, it was ODB. 
Odell Beckham Jr., uh, four catches, 97 yards uh, receiving, and one touchdown. Then you, on the Los Angeles side, it was, who else? Cooper Cup with eight catches, 115 yards receiving, and just one touchdown. You have to say OBJ, my friend. Oh, sorry, OBJ. Yeah, so just for right. clarification, but this game was a bit of a surprise, i got to admit. Yeah. I thought Baltimore would come out and really want to make a statement win here. I mean, the Rams are nothing to sneeze about. No. Uh, the record doesn't really reflect how they play. Matthew Stafford, I mean, I give him kudos just for playing through this entire season with a lot of stuff he's come back from. Especially with Cooper Cup being down, mm-hmm. you know, not really having all that great of a run game. Once you get past Cooper Cup, it's kind of an, uh, you know, and, and obviously you got Puka Nakua, you know, who stepped up for him, but then it becomes like, well, who have you got for me lately? Yeah, I, I often refer to this Rams team as that Arizona Cardinals team with Kurt Warner, Anquan Bolden, and Larry Fitzgerald on it. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, funnily, you mentioned Arizona. They did lose to Arizona uh, earlier this year. Mm-hmm. But that's what this team reminds me of. They're just yeah. all yeah. all aerial attack. There's really nothing on the ground that yeah. really makes you worry about. I mean, Kyron Williams had a great game running, 25 for 114, but still. So did Arizona in those days. Exactly. Like I say, they had you know flashes of brilliance here and there. But yeah. that all being said, Baltimore really played – a gritty game. I mean, overtime, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. They really stepped up, and obviously getting a punt return back to seal the game is a huge move for them. That does help. And especially in an AFC division that is all types of crazy right now, mm-hmm. Baltimore really wants to make sure they have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Lamar Jackson is playing at such a high elite level. Yeah. I don't think he's getting enough credit for being in that MVP conversation, but there's so many great candidates this year. We often forget about someone like Lamar who's really doing this very quietly under the radar. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of one of the things you see with a lot of sports where mm-hmm. there's only one MVP award. So you, you get a lot of guys who are lost in the shuffle. Yes. That's kind of why I like baseball set up a little bit better because it can give shine to two individuals. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the American League and the National League, although National League have fun with your 10-year uh, MVP award winner. We'll get to that later in the yep. show. Um, but but no, that, that's the thing is like, Lamar's had a great year, and it and but he's kind of fallen by the wayside just because of the years you know Dak Prescott has had, Brock Purdy has had, Christian McCaffrey's had. You know, there's probably honestly, and this isn't a slight against Lamar. Mm -hmm. If you were to go and list say anybody's top five, top six MVP candidates, Lamar might fall towards the bottom of that list. And it's not a slight against him. Mm, right. It's just the way those other guys are playing. Well, the one thing that he does is he's not putting on a lot of highlights. No. Nor does he need to because all he does is has 10 wins. That's the big takeaway that he needs to focus on, and he's doing it the right way. Historically, also, you don't want to be in the playoffs with the MVP. Exactly. Historically. But he's playing at such a high level, we have to give him his due. And this, yeah. was, a, this was a very tough challenge for him. It was a good, it was a good uh, battle test for yeah, him. Yeah, that – this really kind of helped boost where we're going to see Baltimore in the playoffs because I think wherever they are seated, and I fully think they have a great shot of getting number one. Currently, they are number one. Right, but just to write it outright, I think they have a really good shot of maintaining that. Mm-hmm. If they get home field advantage, it is not going to be an easy task to go in there because they're great on both sides of the ball, and they're grinding out wins. Right. So they're controlling the clock a lot. This is a situation that if I'm opposing them – I am getting a little worried about the emergence of Zay Flowers. I think he's coming on. Yeah, he's been great. Really hot at the right time. 
OBJ is really starting to step it up a little bit. He's not the OBJ of old. Right, but the thing we got to remember, too, is he didn't play all of last year. Right. So in, in, in I don't care what injury it is, when you get dealing with an injury in football, it takes a little bit of time to come back from it, even if you're able to play a game. Mm-hmm. You know, because there will be those cuts. There will be those start and stops. There will be those motions you do where in the back of your head, you're going to go, shit, am I going to, like, tear tear my, you know, uh, tendon here? Am I going to blow my knee out? Like, what the, am I, is this going to happen again? You know, until you actually get there. Well, I think he also needs to cover up a lot from the Mark Andrews loss. Yeah, that, that, that certainly hurts. That definitely hurts. But you're seeing this team really pull it together. And like <laughs> I say, it's not the sexiest of wins, but it's no. a win. Yeah. And that's what they need to do. And especially coming from behind, you know, obviously overtime, anything can happen. That's what I say. You come from behind, you get a punt return back. It falls in your favor because overtime, literally anything can happen. Mm-hmm. So the fact they snuck one out here is a good win for them. Obviously keeps them in the number one seed Yep. because obviously as we're recording early, we know Miami has a game tonight. Yes, they do. They're making a run for it. And Kansas City, well, we'll talk about them in a little and that's bit. Good. That's going to be the interesting thing, too, is just looking at the strength of schedule between these two teams. Uh, the the combined uh, record or percentage or whatever their opponents they have for the remainder of the season, Baltimore's 500, uh, Miami 400. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. It's going to come, it's going to come down real close. Uh, but looking at those two team schedules for the remainder of the season for the Baltimore Ravens this upcoming Sunday. They're on Sunday Night Football on the road playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, then the following week, Christmas Day, Merry Christmas, football fans. You're going to get two Titans going head-to-head, at least in theory. We'll see how the playoff standings look after next week. Uh, because Monday Night Football, Christmas Eve, or, sorry, Christmas Day Eve, sorry, uh, on the road, playing the San Francisco 49ers. That's going to be a hell of a game. That's going to get a lot of people watching. Oh, absolutely. Just saying. Uh, Week after that, week 17, which is on New Year's Eve, they are playing uh, at home against the Miami Dolphins, and then they close Mm. out the regular season uh, at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They haven't announced anything about that game getting flexed with Miami, have they? They have not. It is still currently listed at 1 p.m. Eastern on CBS. Or, you know, I actually come to think of it, I because I'm not looking at the schedule right now. I will pull it up. With New Year's Eve, are they even doing one at 8 p.m.? Uh, I can look. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think they would be doing a flex. Well, that's interesting how they're going to kind of schedule that up. But... Let's see, week 17. Oh, my Lord have mercy. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Uh, it, it, there is a Sunday night game. Okay. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they flex it though, because it's currently scheduled to be Packers at Vikings. Oh, they'll flex it. They absolutely will flex it for Baltimore, Miami. I fully will call that one right now. That's the only thing with the holidays. They always get kind of crazy with the schedule. Mm-hmm. So give you a little peek behind the scenes here. Uh, and then for the LA Rams, uh, this upcoming Sunday, they are at home playing the Washington commanders. Bum, 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 bum. Then on week 16, they're on Thursday night football playing the new Orleans saints week 17. They are on new year's Eve. They are on the road playing the New York giants. And then week 18 on the road playing the San Francisco 49ers. Well, it'll be an interesting stretch for them. I mean, I think the 49ers game, they they might get the benefit of the luck of starters sitting. Mm-hmm. So for the Rams, I mean, obviously their playoff hopes are out as far as I'm concerned. So yeah. really nothing right home about with them. But for Baltimore, interesting stretch of games going down there. And I say after that San Francisco game, the Miami one is going to be one, I guarantee you, yeah. is going to get flexed. And that is going to be the game we're going to be talking about yep. going into the playoffs. Speaking of games we're going to be talking about, because, boy, I thought my leap would go a lot different ways. Oh, boy, here we go. I chose the Philadelphia Eagles to beat the Dallas Cowboys because I figured, hey, listen, Dallas, as of up going into this game, had not beaten a team over 500. They'd mm-hmm. beaten a team at 500. They'd beaten a lot of teams under 500, but they'd yet to beat somebody 
over 500. And I'm thinking, you know what? Philly, coming off that god-awful game the week prior against San Francisco, they're going to turn a new page. Turn over a new leaf, as it were. They're going to want to come out and stick one to their division, uh, in-division opponents there, the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys must have found out and went, yeah, bet. Because the Dallas Cowboys won by the final score of 33-13. to Dak Prescott, 24-39, 271 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Jalen Hurts, 18-27, 197 yards passing, no touchdowns or interceptions. Uh, DeAndre Swift led the way in Philly for rushing with 11 carries, 39 yards, no touchdowns. Tony Pollard led the way for Dallas with 16 carries, 59 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, for receiving, it was Jake Ferguson leading the way for Dallas with five catches, 72 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, and A.J. Brown led the way for Philly with nine catches, 94 yards, and no touchdowns. Shout out to Dre Driven, John from the Pint, and Tyler Mack from 30 and Nerdy because they are celebrating today. Holo, holo, hold up. They them boys. Yes, they are absolutely thriving today with this big win. And you know what? They definitely deserve to. Yeah. No, their Dallas played great. They played phenomenally. And the one thing that I have to echo Stephen A. Smith about this morning, too, because he mentions on first take, and I, okay. agree, I agree. This Dallas team looked different. They felt different. Yeah, a little bit. It was it, like they finally understand the gravity of the situation here. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, like we touched upon, they're having a field day with the sub-500 teams. Yeah, as, this, as you should. As you should. If you're an elite team, you should. But this game they got up for, they punched Philly right in the mouth. They never let up. Dak played an amazing game. Mm-hmm. One of his best ones I think I've ever seen him do. They keyed in so much on Jalen Hurts, they made him a non-factor, which is wild to think about. And, and it's not even the up-front four or five guys on the line because mm-hmm. Jalen only got sacked once. Right. They had another guy, Brandon Mann, come in for uh, one attempt and completed one, but he didn't get sacked. You know, So there was only one sack on Philly's side the entire game, so it's not like the Dallas defensive line was imposing their will. It's, it's a kudos to the linebackers and the secondary for being shut down. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because as dynamic as Philly's offense is, when when you look at Brown, Devontae Smith, Godare, you know, who's not the greatest tight end, but he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not bad. To shut down the Philly offense is a kudos to your uh, secondary there, Dallas. Oh, it's huge. And I think that's something that when we start talking about Dallas and especially going into the postseason, if this defense stays healthy – they're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had injuries, and they're still playing at such a high level. Like, kudos to them. All without Trayvon. Exactly. Like, they've missed some key pieces Which this is year. scary. Uh-huh. But you think about Stephon Gilmore, he had an amazing game. Hey, listen, I appreciate the hell out of that guy. I mean, I did too. Former, former Patriot. Former Bill, too. Yeah. But, you know. Gilly, gilly. Those are some times ago. But I can appreciate what he's doing in Dallas because he's really stepped up, especially when you talk about Trayvon Diggs being out of the lineup. You have a real solid defensive force mm-hmm. that is going to give some teams fits. And especially for a Philly offense that has been putting on a lot of points, they did not look like the Philly of old. Mm-hmm. They looked lost in a lot of key areas, and they never got back into this. Like Dallas just kept the pressure on. Right. And I think if I'm Philly right now, I'd be a little worried. Going, I would be too. Well, because there's two areas I'd be a little worried about. The first and foremost is the offense. If, if you don't have a, a, a response to Dallas or San Francisco, your playoffs are going to be very short. 
Sorry, this is just how it is. Yep. The other area which I, I think I'd be more concerned with right now is what did we say they did in this draft? They went after defense. Mm-hmm. And defense was the only key area that we thought they were really looking somewhat shaky on at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Or uh, preseason, obviously, and then they came in and obviously was looking very, very scary. Mm-hmm. They didn't look that scary last night. No, they and they haven't looked scary the last two weeks. Right. That I think the mystique is gone. Yeah. I think the teams think they can absolutely do whatever they want to on the offensive side of the ball against Philly, and mm-hmm. Philly doesn't have an answer. So I don't necessarily know how you fix this. Uh, I think you have to have a team meeting. Yeah, and, and you almost have you almost have to go because I think this is one of the good things Belichick does. Where it, no matter how good a game you have, mm-hmm. he will call you out for any slight mistake you make, and you got to you got to ignore whatever great plays you have and look at the mistakes because you've gotten yourself punched in the mouth twice in two weeks. Yeah, this isn't a case of oh you had a bad game, you came back out a win, and then whoops you lost the next one and over you lost the the next week in overtime. No, Philly, you got punched in the mouth last week, forty-two to nineteen, mm-hmm. and then you got punched again, thirty-three to thirteen. It's it's concerning to me because of you know just going into that San Francisco game, it was oh it's the rematch. Oh, we're gonna see how it actually plays out now that Brock Purdy's here. And that, yes, that's true, but also Philly effectively laid a goose egg. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, they put up points, but effect, not enough. They laid a goose egg, and then they laid a goose egg in this game, too, with only 13 points. Yeah. You know, it's concerning to me. It's something you definitely need to figure out because the that offense runs through Jalen Hurts. Listen, DeAndre Swift is a great running back. He ain't going to win no awards. Mm-hmm. He's, he's going to get a Pro Bowl nom, I'm sure, because he's a great runner and he's having a decent year. But Philly isn't known for their run game mm-hmm. outside of being named Jalen Hurts. You know, it, it runs through Jalen Hurts' legs. It runs through Jalen Hurts' arms. And yeah, you had a good game from AJ Brown, ninety-four yards. Devontae Smith, seventy-three yards. That's not bad, right? But but the key thing there is once you look past the receptions and the yards and the average, you get to that all-important touchdown category because that's the one that matters most when you're a receiver at the end of the day. Because hey, that means you, you scored. That means you won the game. Mm-hmm. Looking at a fat zero in terms of receiving touchdowns for this game mm-hmm. in this day and age, with as pass happy as the NFL is and as you know uh, passing oriented as the league is. You're not going to win a lot of games if you throw zero touchdowns. Mm, oh, absolutely. This is a situation that Nick Sarani has to figure out mm-hmm. and figure out quick because especially going into the latter half of the season now, there's only a handful of games left. Yeah. And with them slipping now to, the, I believe, the fifth seed overall in the yes, NFC. Yes, I had it pulled up. Give yeah, because Dallas took uh, first in the East. Uh, there it is. So according to the article on FoxSports.com, uh, currently the NFC is the 49ers, of course, the number one seed with a bye. The Cowboys are now the number two seed and would be facing the number seven seeded Packers. Uh, and then you have the number three seeded Detroit Lions playing the number six seeded Minnesota Vikings. And the Philadelphia Eagles would, as the number five seed, would be playing the number four seeded Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, so if they want to try sneaking back into that number one spot or at least get a better seeding, they're going to need to figure mm-hmm. something out. I mean, I, but they have to get the division back from the Cowboys. Like that's the only spot they can go get. Yeah, unless something happens with San Francisco, but I don't see that happening. It's a situation that for Cowboys fans, you got to be excited about. For Philly, you really got to be scared. I mean. 
I don't want to say scared fully, but I think this is something to pause for concern. Yeah, I, I mean, th- I don't see how you get out of it. No, well, I mean, I'm looking at the two team schedules before I mention them on air. If I had to lean and, and pick who's going to get the division by year's end, mm-hmm. it's going to be Philly. Yeah, listen, and and I can hear the Dallas fans screaming at me. Listen, there's nothing against Dallas. Dallas is playing a hell of a game right now, and they're they're a hell of a team. Mm-hmm. As good as that defensive is, defense is without Trayvon Diggs, you know it's it's impeccable. But let me get into the into the schedules here, and then you might see where I'm coming from. So the Dallas Cowboys, I'll go with them first since they won the game uh, this upcoming Sunday. They are on the road playing the Buffalo Bills. Yep. Uh, then week 16 on the road playing the Miami Dolphins. Hmm. Week 17 at home on Monday Night Football. Uh, well, I say Monday Night Football, but it's Saturday football. It's on ABC and ESPN. Detroit Lions. That'll be an interesting game. And then closing out the regular season on the road playing the Washington Commanders. So bum, Commanders, bum, 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 bum. you never know. Division game, coin flip. But Buffalo, who's resurging, we'll get to that in a minute. Mm. Miami, who's clicking on all offense. I mean, listen, for all intents and purposes, if Tyree keeps playing the way he does, he could be going into that game against Dallas, potentially looking at the 2,000-yard record. Mm. Uh, and then they've got Detroit, which I know Detroit kind of a mixed bag right now, but, hey, they're still Detroit. So three ba- hard games back-to-back-to-back to back to back there, and then you got Washington, which, again, coin flip. You never know. For Philly, this is why I say Philly, I think, could get it, because here's their schedule for the remainder of the year. Uh, this upcoming week, uh, this next week, they're on Monday Night Football, on the road, playing the Seattle Seahawks. Okay. Depends on if Geno Smith plays. A lot of factors there. Yes, Geno Smith didn't play. If it's Drew Locke, yeah, probably going to be uh, Seattle. If Geno Smith plays, yeah, you never know. Mm. Week after that, at home against the New York Giants. Philly by a million. Should be an easy one. Week after that, at home against the Arizona Cardinals. Should be an easy one. Closing out the regular season on the road, playing the New York Giants. Should be an easy one. So out of the final four weeks, they are playing, according to statistically, two uh, two of the worst teams in the NFL. Mm. One with the number three overall pick in the draft, that's the Cardinals. One with the number five overall pick in the NFL draft, that's the Giants. Philly should be able to bounce back, but it just depends on if they can catch Dallas at this stage. Right. That's going to be the big X factor, so... We will have to watch that as it moves forward. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, for Dallas, they're going to have some tough tasks ahead yep, of them. Yep, yep, yep. At least that's a division we like to talk about. <laughs> oh, my God. Because I think we'll be very short about our next game we're going to discuss. Ugh. Because it is by far and away the worst division in all football, and that is well, the NFC South. Give an update. Christ Almighty, it got worse. They're all below 500. Yep. Holy shit. So we will be super quick about this one, trust me, folks, because, Pat, who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Atlanta took an L to the reluctantly first-placed Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Last last night took an L, and uh, something tells me they ain't bouncing back. No, they're not. Uh, so the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Atlanta Falcons 29-25. Uh, Baker Mayfield, 14 of 29, 144 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Desmond Ritter, 26 of 40, 347 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Tyler Algier, uh, nine carries, 40 yards, zero touchdowns, leading the way for Atlanta. In rushing uh, for Tampa Bay, it was Rashad White, uh, 25 carries, 102 yards rushing, zero touchdowns. For receiving in Tampa Bay, it was, who else? Chris Godwin with Mm -hmm. five catches, 53 yards, no touchdowns. And then for Atlanta, it was Drake London with 10 catches, 172 yards receiving, no touchdowns. If there's a highlight for Atlanta, it's that stat line. I was going to say a highlight for fantasy football owners, Kyle Pitts. 
One touchdown. Hey. 57 yards, but still. Uh, honestly, I'm not going to spend a lot on this game. There really isn't anything nice to say. Tampa Bay fought back to get the lead late. Tampa Bay scrappy. They're kind of like the Indianapolis Colts in a sense. In a sense. Or but- or the uh, Chargers. More, they're kind of a good mix in between because yeah, Tampa Bay yeah. should be doing better. Yeah. Especially in their division, they're not. Yeah, I mean, with Godwin, with Evans, you know, Christ, Evans, six targets, one catch, eight yards. Yeah. Thanks for showing up, guy. Yeah, this is a situation that Tampa Bay should be a lot better than their record reflects. Mm-hmm. Atlanta is who we thought they were. Not good. No, they're not good at all. I feel bad for Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Hell, even B. John Robinson. Well, Robinson, remember, at the beginning of the season, everybody was touting him as the next great running back, and I'm sorry, the system you're in right now is not really reflecting that. Again, it's coming off of, you know, another one of those scenarios where great year in college, not necessarily translating, although that could be more up to the system. I think it's more of the system right now. I mean, I want to see what he does next year, to be honest with you. But I think for right now, Atlanta has just got so many issues with it that – the fact they're six and seven, I think, is a, is a highlight of itself. Hey, Atlanta, if you need a head coach or a new OC, I can think of one guy who's currently unemployed. Yeah, a certain guy by the name of uh, McDaniel's. Uh I think OC would help a lot more. Head coach, no. Right. Head coach, right. no way. No, I'm sorry, my opinion, absolutely not. But like I say, somebody's got to win this division. Uh, it should be Tampa Bay. Who are they playing next week? Uh, so for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, the schedule for the remainder of the season this upcoming Sunday, they're on the road playing the Green Bay Packers. Then on Christmas Eve, they are at home playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. Then on New Year's Eve, they are at home playing the New Orleans Saints. And then uh, week 18, they're on the road playing the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> so they'll get at least one more win in those final four strikes. They should. Uh, not, not too sure about the other two, but eh, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the Atlanta Falcons, they are, oh, God, if you willingly watch or go to this game, you hate yourself. This upcoming Sunday, the uh, Atlanta Falcons are on the road playing the Carolina Panthers. Ugh. Tickets are, and this isn't a joke, like you know how you go to ESPN, you can look at the team schedule and it tells you tickets is low? Yeah. You can get a meal at Subway for more expensive than these tickets. Jeez. Uh, tickets are as low as $6 for that game. Yowza. Yikes. A uh, week after that, they're at home against the Indianapolis Colts. That might be a good game. You never know. Uh, then week 17, on the road. God help the fucking Atlanta Falcons for this game. On the road in Chicago on New Year's Eve. They're going to freeze. They're going to freeze, but I will say this. The one, the last time I can really remember them having a high-profile game against the Bears yeah. uh, at holiday time was one of the most hard-hitting games I think I've ever seen. So That's true. I'm hoping for that. Uh, and then they close out the regular season on the road in New Orleans playing the Saints. Well, somebody's got to win this division, <laughs> so maybe they can. Can we just relegate? Can we get, like, English Premier or, like, FIFA soccer rules, UEFA soccer rules, and just relegate the entire NFC South? I have no problem with that, to be honest with you. Absolutely none. Because, I mean, the only other way they can sneak in the playoffs is if they blame it on the refs. Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Because let's get into it. This was my leap. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of storyline with this. The Buffalo Bills circled the wagons. It was ugly. It was yeah, not it was. pretty. Yeah, it was. But thanks to one egregious penalty, everything changed. The Bills are still alive on paper. Kansas City in front of Taylor Swift and company yeah. uh, showed a side that I don't think they are going to live down anytime soon. 
No. Let's nor, break. nor should they. Nor should they agree. Let's talk about it, Pat. So the Buffalo Bills defeated the Kansas City Chiefs 20-17. to 17. Uh, Josh Allen, 23-42 of 42 for 233 yards passing. One touchdown, one interception. Patrick Mahomes, 25-43, of 43, 271 yards passing. One touchdown, one interception. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire led the way for Kansas City in rushing with 11 carries, 39 yards, no touchdowns. James Cook led the way in Buffalo for rushing, 10 carries, 58 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Josh Allen should note 10 carries, 32 yards, one touchdown. Uh, for Buffalo in receiving, it was James Cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, five catches, 83 yards, one touchdown. For Kansas City, it was Travis Kelsey because, duh. Yeah, no surprise there. Uh, six catches, 83 yards, and although it says zero, should have technically been uh, one touchdown, but yeah, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. The easiest way to describe this game is Kansas City faltered at the end because they weren't paying attention. Mm-hmm. And that's the easiest way you can describe it. Because what is making all the national news, and you have seen this time and time again if you're a sports fan, is when they were driving down the field at the end of the game, mm-hmm. Kadarius Tony, who has had a less than stellar, in my opinion, career in Kansas City. To say the least. To be polite, was lined up directly with the football. He did not check in to the line judge or the referee to see where he was. Mm-hmm. Pad, what is his penalty called? Uh, off, offensive offsides. Correct. Not something you hear every day. It's not something you hear, but this has been a penalty they've been really focusing on the past couple of years. And if you don't think you know he was offside for whatever reason, take in mind what was asked to the ref by the pool reporter after the game. Because at that point, Patrick Mahomes had made his comments and Andy Reid had made his comments egregiously, might I add. Mm-hmm. And the pool and the uh, referee basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, yeah, that's cool and all, but like also you got to factor in the ref, the sideline ref couldn't even see the ball past his helmet. Exactly. And that was also true on the broadcast. Mm-hmm. So it's a penalty. And granted, maybe it's something new that. Some did not understand. I don't understand the uproar that is happening about this other than Kansas City, you might not be as good as you thought you were. Even if, you know, they hadn't called an offensive penalty or offensive offsides on this, they also could have called an illegal formation on this mm-hmm. because I can't take credit for I can't take credit for this. I saw this on social media today and I Spent the last couple of minutes trying to pull it up here. But I saw this uh, photo on social media where, and I'm going to try and zoom in here because, of course, the friggin' font is microscopic. Mm-hmm. But basically what it says is Article 3, player online of scrimmage. And the, I'm guessing this is from the online NFL rulebook you can look at. Yeah. It says, quote, a player of Team A who is on the line of scrimmage must have his shoulders facing Team B's goal line. Mm-hmm. Item 1, non-snapper. If he's not the snapper, no part of his body is permitted to be in the neutral zone at the snap, and his helmet must break a vertical plane that passes through the uh, belt line of the snapper. The one guy, and I'm showing Ken this same photo here, this dude is way off of where he should be. Oh, absolutely. So it's not on, not on top of things. It's you know offensive offsides, but also an illegal formation. 
Mm-hmm. Now, the thing that Mahomes and, and Reed are griping about is, well, they never told us. Typically, you know, Patrick basically said, and I, again, paraphrasing, but Patrick was like, well, you know, ever since grade school, elementary school, we always were told when we were off sides. And even, and even go watch the clip. I know it's on ESPN's YouTube page from First Take This Morning where Shannon Sharp, three-time Super Bowl winner, Hall of Famer mm-hmm. on offense, said, plays the same position Travis Kelsey plays, also said, yeah, they do tell you that. Only if you ask, though, mm-hmm. and they're not behooven to just go out of your way and tell you. He said, now, and also Rex Ryan brought it up on Get Up this morning on, e- on ESPN, and the head coaches will be told, but only if it happens a bunch. Mm-hmm. They don't go every single time and go, hey, got to get your got to get your left tackle back. Hey, got to move your right tackle up. Like, if it happens repeatedly, they're like, they'll give you like a, hey, if you don't fix this, we're going to have to call you for a flag. Yeah. But, and now, the other thing, too, the refs, will, and I've never seen this, the refs won't run in from the fucking sideline mm-hmm. and go, hey, by the way, you need to move up a little bit. I'm sorry, go watch the replay again. He's watching the fucking ball. I realize I don't play in the NFL, and I'm not an NFL caliber player, but when I'm standing, if I know I'm not supposed to, like, if you're at a traffic light, let's just say, mm-hmm. and you know you're not supposed to be in the middle of the intersection because there's a chance you could get hit. I know if the if I'm in, the, like, the left turn lane, if the car to my right is the driver is basically where my back passenger seat is, mm-hmm. I'm probably too far forward. Yeah. It's common fucking sense. And Kadarius Tony, I don't care how long he's been in the NFL, he's been playing football for long enough. That exactly. If, that if he's an NFL wide receiver, he's been playing wide receiver long enough, you know you're not supposed to be lined up with the ball. He's watching the ball for the snap, and something should have clicked. It's To me, it's a J.R. Smith moment. No, I and, fully and the, agree. In the NBA Finals, where, Love the analogy. where Smith didn't realize how much time was left, could Tony should have looked at the ball and went, fuck, I'm too far forward, and taken a step back. At worst, it would have been a false start and it would have knocked you back five yards. Mm-hmm. Now, I get the argument, oh, it didn't affect the outcome of the game, it didn't affect the play. I get that, but still. And you'd have an argument for that if it was a case where the ref waited super late to throw the fucking flag. Right, they threw, they threw it right away. Immediately, as soon as the ball was snapped, flag was thrown. Yeah. They have no leg. Can- Kansas City's got no leg to stand on this. And I'm sorry, disclaimer on, on my language here. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid need to shut the fuck up. Yeah. As somebody who has been a Patriots fan for 20 years, and I've had to listen to the gripes and moans of other NFL fans, well, the Patriots get all the, the, the good calls, and the refs are in their favor. Did you ever hear once hear Brady or Belichick in 20 years bitch and moan to this level? They might have said, hey, you know what? We didn't agree with you know the, the refs' calls, but you know we're on to whoever it was. Not to this level. Not they certainly complained. I'm not saying they're no. They I'm not saying they're. They, I'm not saying they're blank and they're guiltless of complaining about refs. No, no, no. They certainly complained, but they did not go to this level. Take the flake gate out of this. Sure. Argument. There might have been a complaint here or there at the press conference. Right. After. Right. After. Right. But not to the point where Patrick Mahomes is throwing a temper tantrum on the sidelines, swearing, throwing his helmet. Uh huh. And when he goes to see Josh Allen at the end of the game, where every time you see the quarterbacks meet, they always say, you know, like a good game, you know, stay modern, healthy. modern, you know, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, you know, the cameras are going to be there. Yeah. All he can do is complain about the refs. Yep. 
to Josh. Not, you, you would have figured, oh, hey, see you in the playoffs, because you would imagine these two teams could likely see each other in the playoffs. Something. You know, but no, it's not good game. It's, hey, good job. Hey, see you down the road. It's fucking bullshit, man. And the biggest thing that is most alarming is when you hear these two gentlemen complain, they're not disagreeing with the call. They're just saying, how could you call it? Mm-hmm. Well, when you can't see the fucking ball on the broadcast. Yeah, newsflash, guys. If a referee sees it, they're going to call it. Now, the thing, too, is let's bear in mind, you know, they always say on the broadcast, the line isn't perfect. It's just our, you know, it's just sure. the estimation, whatever, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't matter when we can't see the fucking ball. Yeah, that's exactly the point. Your receiver, who has been playing subpar this entire season, and I'm not, they're receivers. Yeah, well, you know what? No, but he leads the bunch. How many drop passes has he had? Oh, Christ. And it was, he had another crucial uh, one in this I'm game, sure too, that he dig, dropped. I'm sure I can dig that up. So if you want to be venting your frustration, vent it on your own players that are subperforming because that's where the issue lies. It doesn't lie in the referees because, let's face it, over the years, you guys have been on the favorable sides of calls at times, too. Oh, A Super Bowl yeah. really rings true about yeah. that. Uh, so looking at the game log for one Kadarius Tony uh, for this season, he has 34 targets and 25 receptions. How many? 34 targets. So he's been targeted 34 times. Mm-hmm. He's caught 25 of them. So he's dropped, what, nine? Uh, nine, yeah, nine. And how many of those were easy catches? How many of those were in his favor? How many of those were uncontested? Like that is the question you have to ask, and I'm sorry that – to be so critical about this, but no, he's underperformed this entire year. Uh, look, it, it's looking like there was a reason New York, the Giants were willing to let him go for a third round pick. Uh huh. So if you're not focused on the game and you're being distracted for what reasons, here you are, and this is what happened in this game. He's a, he's a, a first round pick out of the 2021 draft, so mm-hmm. it's, it's not like he's a journeyman. He's in his third year, exactly. But the fact that you allowed yourself to lose focus at such a crucial point in the game, yeah, it's on you. And and screwed up the play of the decade in the NFL. Let's let's not get it twisted. I haven't seen a I haven't seen a play like that since it was Boise State in Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl mm-hmm. twenty almost twenty years ago. Oh, it was very smart by Travis Kelsey. Oh, it, it was, was it was genius. It was genius. And I agree with what Ryan Clark said on ESPN. It would it would have been the play of this of the decade in the NFL. One of the greatest plays in NFL history. Mm-hmm. You know, but your wide receiver was a dumbass. Yeah, I mean this that's point blank. So if you guys want to be mad at anybody, be mad at him. Be mad at your other wide receivers that are dropping balls. Be mad at yourselves for going blank in the first quarter. Yeah, exactly. Score a touchdown or, hell, even a field goal in the first quarter, and we're talking about a tie game and going into overtime. Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys took advantage of a couple plays that, I mean, let's face it, there was one catch that was ruled a catch, which, I mean, is questionable about the ball being caught. It should have been a fumble, possibly, and, and you go from there. I'm just saying... If you really want to blame it on the referees, I think you have the wrong argument here because this is so blatant and, and egregious that you yep. that you can't argue. And the fact that you guys are crying a river to anybody that's willing to paddle is a joke. And this is something that, guess what, guys? If this is any indication about how your mental toughness is going into these playoffs, you're going to be one and done. Sorry, because mm-hmm. guess what? You're now no longer in that number one seed hunt. You're going to have to go on the road, arguably, to go face somebody in the second round if you make it that far. Uh, right now, the Kansas City Chiefs are the number three seed playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, so like I say, they'll have the fortunate uh, advantage of the Steelers coming there. Yep. 
depending if the Steelers make it, because obviously injuries have hit them at the worst possible time. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. Right. So chances are they might be facing Buffalo again. Yeah. Depending on how that goes. Or even a Denver who's sneaking in and getting hot at the right time. Let's ride. The whole situation here is Kansas City is crumbling before our eyes. The mm-hmm. Bills scrapped. Granted, they probably should have lost this game. I'll be the first one to tell you that. I thought they were going to. Well, you know what? Their defense collapsed in the second half again, and this is a trend that unfortunately has been going on for quite some time this season. Their defense is getting banged up. They're getting injuries at the worst possible time. Right. And the fact that they're not having their team step up to just at least maintain and do a a stop. I'm sorry. If you know Travis Kelsey's on the field, double cover him, and you make Mahomes beat you with another receiver. Do the same thing you did for Gronk, which unfortunately is go low. But when these guys are that big, it's about all you can do. Exactly. I mean, if Rasheed Rice is going to beat you, okay. Because you know what? He's playing out of his mind right now. Best receiver on that team. Fully agree. So I get that. But I would say I'm not worried. Make, (laughs) Make Tony beat you. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not going to happen. No, unless you're playing Madden on easy. Right. But this is a situation that for the Bills, yeah, they're lucky they snuck one out. It's a, It was a good win. It'll boost up some morale that they desperately needed because they're literally going to have to run the table to get in the playoffs. Yeah. And yeah. I don't I don't think they're going to do it. It ain't going to be easy. Well, t- let's talk about their schedule. So their schedule the next couple of weeks is upcoming Sunday. Uh, they're at home against the Dallas Cowboys. That's going to be a tough game. Week 16, they are on the road playing the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, should note, uh, because I'm looking at it here and I figure I should tell people this, that game is on Saturday, December 23rd, and that is going to be on Peacock. Okay. Looks like it's going to be on Peacock only, so it won't be on broadcast television. Uh, if you don't have Peacock, it's like five bucks. You can probably sign up for a week and then cancel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we Then week 17, Christmas, or not Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, excuse me, at home against the New England Patriots. Anything can happen there. And then week 18, good, good uh, location for you guys because you don't have to freeze your ass off. Oh, uh, Miami. On the road in Miami, which, hey, if there's anything I know about playing Miami late in the season in Miami, shenanigans will ensue. It probably will, and the only thing that might favor the Bills at that point is Miami might sit starters. So Dallas Maybe. ain't going to be easy. No, Dallas is going to be the tough task. Which Chargers should be easy, although that kind of depends on what happens with Justin Herbert. We'll, yep. get, we'll get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Patriots coin toss. Because, hey, legit. No, look at what happened earlier this year. No, legit. Uh, and then Miami, also a coin toss. Yeah. The Bills control their own destiny. They're going to have to find a way to pull something off. Mm-hmm. As for Kansas City, well, you know what? They're mentally breaking. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's all the pressure of Taylor Swift coming there. Yeah, maybe it's maybe. The, the spotlights on them. Maybe the luster is gone for what they had. Mm-hmm. Because let's face it, this is not the same Kansas City Chiefs team of old. No. And unfortunately, Mahomes is getting zero help other than Travis Kelsey <laughs> and Rice at, at, at the position skill players. Yeah. And that defense is not looking that great because there was another argument – I believe it was Chris Evans on the sidelines arguing with the coach. Oh yeah, which got caught on tape. So guess what? If you guys are break or Chris Jones, I'm sorry, Chris Jones. If Chris, if you're having your one of your leaders on your defense break like this, and this is getting caught on TV, which I mean, let's face it, perception is reality, folks. Yeah, you're but if you're having meltdowns on both sides of the balls, there is a problem in Kansas City. Yep. So how are you going to fix that? Uh, for their remaining schedule for the regular season, uh, they've got Week 15 on the road playing the New England Patriots. Week 16, at home against the Las Vegas Raiders. Week 17, at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. And then week 18, on the road, playing the Los Angeles Chargers. Should be more favorable than it is, but honestly, after seeing the performance uh, that they showed after losing, mm-hmm. uh, wait and see, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, so then we're going to go around the league for the remainder of the games uh, we're going to talk about here. Uh, first, what we're going to talk about is the Chicago Bears beat the Detroit Lions by the final score of 28-13. to 
Well, Seth Rollins is happy. Yeah, Seth Rollins is happy, but honestly, bad loss for the Lions. Mm-hmm. Very bad. I know they're in number three seed right now, but that is not uh, that could be a one and done to be honest uh-huh. with you. Uh, then you had the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Indianapolis Colts thirty-four to fourteen. Jake Browning had a great game. Hey, you know the the Bengals are going to scrap. So if, I mean, if they get in the playoffs, I'm not saying they're going to go Super Bowl, but they'll make some noise. The Cleveland Browns beat the Jacksonville Jaguars thirty-one twenty-seven. Pad, are the Browns contenders or pretenders? Let's talk about it. Um, contenders to make the playoffs? Yes. Contenders to make the anything past the first round of the playoffs? No. I think that this Browns team is for real. I don't think they're going to make a deep run, but they're making some noise. Like they're still going to be in this hunt for the for the playoffs. And for Jacksonville, oh, I don't know. I well, I, we know they're not for for Cleveland. We know they're not going to win the division right. because Baltimore's got that locked up tight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but playoffs, I mean, they are currently the number five seed in the playoffs, which is the first spot out of the division winners. Yeah. I mean, like I said, so I, they'll make the playoffs. They control their own destiny, yeah. but I mean, injuries have just really hurt this team badly. But yeah. great, great win for them against Jacksonville. Uh, then you had the New Orleans Saints beat the Carolina Panthers twenty-eight to six. They had uniforms. They played. <laughs> Sorry, Carolina. Yep. Uh, then you had the New York Jets beat the uh, Houston Texans thirty to six. Well, I think the story here is C.J. Stroud went down. Yes. So. Uh, I put an asterisk by this, mm-hmm. depending on how much time he's going to miss, if at all. Yeah. But with him out of this game, I mean, the te- these are the Texans who we've always known. Also, if you want to talk second-half adjustments, this is the game for it because this game had an immaculate half. Yeah. Nobody scored in the first half. Yeah. 0-0 zero, zero at halftime. Uh, so all the scoring was in the second half. So, hey, kudos to you know the uh, coordinators. And, and especially Zach Wilson, 301 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah. Good for you. Uh, maybe there's some competition with A.A. Ron like, <laughs> after all. I think he knows his window is closing. Uh, yeah, just turned 40. Yeah. Uh, then you had, God, this fucking game. Again, if you went to or watch this game, I'm sorry. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings defeated the Las Vegas Raiders 3-0. to zero. They had uniforms. They played. Uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights scored more points yesterday than the Las Vegas Raiders did. True story. Vegas Golden Knights scored one point. Yep. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers beat the Seattle Seahawks 20-16. to 16. Great game by the 49ers. Brock Purdy, 368-2-1. Listen, I'll take that stat line any day. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they're the best team in football for a reason, folks. Uh, Geno Smith, who knows how long he's going to be up, but it yep. is not a good time to be hurt for the Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Right, they're, in, they're still in playoff contention, but yeah, not looking too good. Uh, then you had the Denver Broncos beat the Los Angeles Chargers 24-7. to Let's ride. Yeah, Broncos surging. Surging at the right time. I mean, let's face it, we all rid them off for dead, but they're back. Uh, and then we mentioned Justin Herbert. Who knows how long he's going to be out for the Chargers. Currently listed as doubtful, uh, but it does say, according to the injuries list on uh, the, for the Chargers on ESPN.com, quote, Herbert isn't expected to be available for Thursday's game against the Raiders. While he recovers from a right index finger fracture, Adam Schefter of ESPN reports. Yeah. So I'll have to wait to see how it all shapes up there, but a lot of storylines coming out this week's uh, NFL action, so definitely hit us up. Still got one more. Oh, we do? We do. We got to talk the Thursday game because that was my team. New England Patriots. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we, we actually got to talk about a Patriots win. I know it's a rarity. These I, days. I was going to say it. There's, it, there's it. only been three. Uh, but the New England Patriots defeated the Pittsburgh Steelers 21-18. to 
Bailey Zapp, 19 of 28 for 240 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception. Mitch Trubisky, 22 of 35 for 190 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Mitch Trubisky also led Pittsburgh in rushing with eight carries, 30 yards, one touchdown. Ezekiel Elliott led the way for New England with 22 carries, 68 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, for New England, it was Juju Smith-Schuster with four catches, 90 yards, zero touchdowns. Got a note, though, Ezekiel Elliott, seven catches, 72 yards, one touchdown. So he had over 150 or about 150 yards of total offense, which, hey, good showing for him. He's take. on a one-year deal with New England. It'll probably get him signed someplace. Yeah, take, don't take that. Uh, and for Pittsburgh in receiving, it was Deontay Johnson with three catches, 57 yards, and one touchdown. Should also note, with this loss, the Pittsburgh Steelers became the first team in NFL history to lose back-to-back games against sub-500 teams that are like eight games or more below 500 in consecutive weeks. It's never happened in the NFL except for this one time. This Steelers team is very puzzling. Oh, tell me about it. I mean, Trubisky is not the guy. We know that. Um, you know, he's a great backup. Should be in Buffalo. The the over under for this was Pittsburgh by five and a half. Mm-hmm. Or no, excuse me, the line was Pittsburgh by five and a half. The over under was like thirty and a half, which was like the lowest op- over under in the NFL in like five seven years. Well, both offenses are not great. Oh, I know. There's a reason I didn't yeah. watch this game yeah, because yeah. I'm like the Patriots suck. Pittsburgh's going to not exactly destroy us, but it ain't going to be pretty. I figured T.J. Watt had set the goddamn NFL single-game sack record in this game. Yeah. That didn't happen. But, uh, you know, it hit the first touchdown, and I'm like, okay. And then the second quarter happened where they put up two more touchdowns, and I went, what the fuck is happening here? Yeah, I mean, that's a question about this uh, Steelers team. I mean, they are struggling badly. And for the Patriots, I mean, they're playing with house money. Nobody's expecting them to do anything. So is Bailey Zappi the guy? No. No, fuck no. No, I mean, I think people, it, people always ask me, that, and I'm like, listen, there's a reason they cut him in preseason. Yeah. They, yeah, they still brought him back, but there's a reason they cut him yeah. when they could have held on to him. Yeah. Hey, all that matters, still got the number two overall pick in the NFL draft. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the only thing that matters. Still, still got still got the number two overall pick. Uh, I realize we're tied with Arizona with three and ten. but So same record, same win percentage, uh, but our strength of schedule is slightly weaker. Yeah. So that that's how we're in second place. Take it as it is. I'm taking it as a win. That said, you know we got a lot of headlines to talk about, so definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your takeaways from week 14 of the NFL? We want to have that conversation. But we're going to take a quick break first. We'll be right back. Do not adjust your dial, or, well, your phone, your watch, or whatever the heck you're using to listen to the awesome podcast you're currently listening to. I am the Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack, and I am here to tell you that being a nerd can be a bit overwhelming especially after 30. Life moves pretty fast in our nerd culture, and if you don't take the time to notice things, you miss out. That's why I'm here. As your Duke of Nerds, I am charged with educating and enlightening and entertaining you on all things nerdy. I do it by running the 30 and Nerdy podcast. 30 and Nerdy is a bad cast company production and currently playing wherever you cast your pod. Follow along each episode using the hashtag 30andnerdypod. And check out what all is going on at 30andnerdypodcast.com. Whether it's DC, Marvel, comics, or video games, I have got you covered. So tune in now. Cheers to you, nerds. 
Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have to take it to the entertainment side of things and recap the biggest event that was, and that is the third installment and final for the Doctor Who's 60th anniversary special recap. Sending shockwaves across the internet. Yes, indeed, because for the past three weeks, we have been graced by the return of David Tennant, who was the 10th Doctor and Mm -hmm. then now is the 14th. Yep. And there's a lot of question marks going on with him, but we've had two great episodes that have placed uh, Star Beast and mm-hmm. the Wild Blue Yonder. Mm-hmm. And then now we have The Giggle that just came on Disney Plus, BBC. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of storylines going on with this because obviously we knew that we were going to be getting to the 15th Doctor, yep. Shudigawa. Mm-hmm. Just how we were going to get there was anybody's guess. Well, we got our answers. So. There's a lot of questions going into this uh, breakdown that we're going to be having. So if you're new to the ODPH, first and foremost, thank you for checking us out. What we like to do is give a spoiler-free statement about what we're covering. So if you have not seen this episode yet and you don't want to ruin for you, we give you the time and the liner notes of when we're ducking. We're going to start talking spoilers. So if you need to duck out, duck out. No harm, no foul. Jump back in when you get caught up, and we go from there. But if you stay right through those spoilers, we go into a deep dive. So we don't hold anything back. So do not be mad at us if we ruin anything for you because... That's kind of why we give you this warning time in, time out. We want to make sure that we don't have anything spoiled for you and you get to enjoy it as a fan. Mm-hmm. So that being said, Pad, what is your spoiler-free statement about The Giggle for Doctor Who? Well, so after last week's episode, which I wasn't here to talk about, which was for me a bit of a mm, nothing burger, mm-hmm. a decent, decent episode, but like the CGI just kept pulling me out of it. Yeah. This was a phenomenal episode. You know, I wasn't sure what to expect because obviously the mystery up to this point is... Why has David Tennant returned to play the doctor or more specifically, why has, you know, that likeness returned just because as has been tradition with Dr. Who, since it premiered 60 years ago, mm-hmm. whenever a new doctor or whenever the doctor regenerates into someone new, it's always a new face. Right. You know, it's always a new actor or actress, you know, to take on the role. It's never been the same person coming back, you know, a la Sean Connery in the Bond franchise, you know, coming back to play the role again. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a, that for me has always been, all right, how are we going to get here? Just because it hasn't really been, it's been alluded to something's up. We don't know why this has happened. We're trying to figure out why this has happened, but they haven't exactly gone into any hints or speculation or possible clues as to why that's going on. You know, it's kind of been left on the back burner a little bit or, or lingering just out of eyesight. You know, so going into this, I wasn't sure what to expect. I had a lot of high expectations because like like we said, this is the final episode for the 60th anniversary. After this, it's the Christmas special, which you got to fit, which I had to figure, okay, the, the, uh, the Christmas special is going to be with the new doctor. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not going to be tenant returning for the, another Christmas special, surely. So I was excited to see how they got from David Tennant to, you know, the new regeneration and what would happen. And just kind of how, you know, uh, Neil Patrick Harris would factor into this just because he's a great actor. He's does a lot. He's been in a ton of great roles. I was excited to see him excited to see what would happen and just excited overall for this in general that like, I was like anticipating going to watch this and hitting play. And when I finally did, I was thrilled and, and amazed. Yeah. This episode had a lot going on with it mm-hmm. and for it being the end for now, I thought it was a great introduction for the next doctor. Yeah. I really don't know where we're going, though, after this. Mm -hmm. I think they kind of tipped their hand a little bit, which I'm not mad about. They're definitely hinting at some stuff. 
but I was kind of like, okay, this is an interesting ploy to get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. But I thought this was arguably the strongest of the episodes. Yeah, I'll agree with that. That, it, But obviously with Neil Patrick Harris playing the toy maker, that does help a lot. Yeah, it does. And especially when you have, I mean, much like anything we talk about in comics, when you have a great hero with a great villain, mm-hmm. it usually amps up. I mean, there's a difference when you have you know, Batman versus Clayface and then Batman versus the Joker. Like there's just a different element involved in it. Mm -hmm. It's not to say that one is, you know, Clayface is a joke, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But you know, when you have like a real A-list villain to go against your hero, it brings out the best in them. Yeah. And you could definitely see in the scenes with Tennant and um, Patrick Harris. Patrick Harris, yeah. That, yeah, like... They've got great chemistry. Oh, yeah, you could, you could just see it, and that's like, you're like, okay, I want to see more of this. Mm, and what's funny is, Neil Patrick Harris had never heard of Doctor Who before he got cast for this. Yeah. Uh, so this from an article on entertainmentweekly.com, quote, Doctor Who showrunner Russell T. Davies tells Entertainment Weekly that the American actor was completely unfamiliar with the beloved science fiction series when the executive producer approached Harris about playing a villain called the Toymaker on this Saturday's final 60th anniversary special episode, The Giggle. Quote, he never heard of it in his life. Bless him, Davis says with a laugh. I was lucky enough to work with the great man on a show called It's a Son about the AIDS crisis in the 1980s. And working with him was such a joy. The toy maker, he's kind of the good god of games, so he shuffles cards, he does magic tricks, and all of that fits Neil Patrick Harris. If you go through agents, they often tell you to go away. I was able to just send a text saying, do you fancy reading this? He read it and literally phoned me up going, let me get this straight. So the Doctor's an alien, right? I was like, oh my God, you really have never heard of Doctor Who. But he couldn't resist it, and he came to Cardiff, and we had the most spectacular time, close quote. I can believe it. Yeah, I can too. I mean, the one thing is, even though the Doctor has been around for 60 years, unless you really are into the fandom. Or you know some folks. Right. It it can pass some people by. Like, I know it's a wild statement to make. My fiance had no idea of it until I started watching the specials. Right. Because like I say, it's a very unique fandom. It's a great fandom. Mm-hmm. Very passionate. Yes. But it's something that unless you have a very high tolerance for time travel, mm-hmm. because some people don't, and that like, this is not a, a yeah. shot at anybody. Yeah. This is just honest fact. Yeah. Unless you have a high tolerance for a lot of things that can get messy with that. Mm-hmm you're not going to be that very energetic to go towards it. Mm -hmm. But once you get into it, it definitely locks you in because it's just, it's brilliantly written. The acting's always been top notch. There's a lot of wind to it that you just have to get yourself immersed in it. Yeah. So I can understand why if he didn't, because I mean, obviously he's got a lot going on. Mm -hmm. Harris just has a lot of great things happening, but to see him here, I think definitely added something to it. Yeah. And you could see it, really resonating through this cast and especially to where we're going after this. So I think they ended things on a high note. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see where they're going. I'm a little confused though, but you know what? That's the beauty of the show. You stay tuned to watch. Mm-hmm. So that being said, let's get into that spoiler talk. So in three, two, one, pad, talk to me. The episode, like I said, was great. It was, you know, the strongest of the three episodes. If I had to rank them, it'd be third episode, first episode, second episode. Mm-hmm. You know, I loved everything about this. The mystery, the intrigue, you know, the kind of how the heck are we going to get from A to B. I knew we had to get from A to B, but it was just kind of like the how are we going to get there? What's going to happen? And, and the implications with this episode, there's certain characters they hinted at and mentioned that we didn't necessarily see. But when you see the episode play out the way it does, you go, oh, shit. 
And then just kind of the implications of like there was there's been two hints of like a you know a stronger power or a higher power or whatever it was they said in the first episode and this episode that obviously this is Russell T Davies if you watched his run when he was the showrunner on Doctor Who before you know he likes to set things up and build them for down the road and kind of plant the Easter eggs and plant the seeds mm-hmm. early on so he's obviously setting for some, up for something and I, you know I'm here for the ride oh I absolutely am like I say the the big surprise at the end is very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to see it, but I'm also like, well, what how is this, this going to work? Yeah, that's a lot of people's question. Yeah, because that's that's the only thing I, I didn't like about it, but mm-hmm. it wasn't anything that really take me out. Because if anything, I think that this sets up for a possible villain for Shudigawa's doctor to face down the road. Could be. Because I think with what Neil Patrick Harris did with the Toymaker role, I think that this could be another great addition to the rogues gallery. Could be. And I think that you're going to hear a lot of fans talk about this, and that's going to be good to build that up. And I think that from all signs that I saw on the show, I mean, you saw Harris just dived into this role. Yeah, he did. He, re- he really ate this role up and was perfect for this role. Yeah, so I fully think he's coming back at some point. It could be. I'm not going to say. They'd have to write something in and make it kind of wonky, but that's what Doctor Who does, wonky things. Oh, exactly. Like, there, there's no real escape for him. So if they want to bring him back, I think all parties are going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. But as this story kicks off, where we were for the Wild Blue Yonder, Doctor and Donna wind up appearing back on Earth. Uh-huh. All hell is breaking loose, uh-huh. and nobody really knows what's going on. Yep. They open up in 1925, though, uh-huh. and it's in Soho. Uh-huh. Which is in a part of London. It's on the West End. Right. And then we get introduced to John Logie Bard, uh-huh. who is a very, very famous person. Yeah, he's the guy who uh, invented and demonstrated the world's first live working television system. Mm-hmm. Uh, took place on the 26th of January in 1926. Yes, John McKay is playing him. And we get like a little insight to like what's going on because as they're kind of testing it off, we do see that, well, he has a clerk that's working with him mm-hmm. that uh, kind of seems a little irritated. Well, he goes, to, he, he goes to this toy shop and he buys a doll mm-hmm. like a marionette doll and he goes to take it back to film it and to broadcast so that they can broadcast it onto the television screen and they bring it back and they're like oh well why'd you bring a doll you know why'd you buy that one or what or whatever it is and also during this whole sequence when like the doll is getting purchased neil patrick harris is already setting up the character and his portrayal as being creepy as fuck mm-hmm. because you know the guy playing john uh, logie baird uh, you know, basically looks at the doll and he goes, are these real human, human hair? And, and Neil Patrick Harris in, you know, his German accent, you know, goes, yes, I, I plucked them all. They're all real. They're off. He mentioned the name. I don't remember the person's name, mm-hmm. but he goes, oh yeah, I, pl- I'm, I plucked them all off of her head, every single one. And he like gave deliberate pause in the cadence that you're just like, oh my God, this guy's creepy as fuck. Yeah. But he brings the he brings the doll back to his studio and starts filming it. And they go, well, why'd you buy this? Why'd you buy this doll? He goes, well, you know, why can't we film it? He's like, well, duh, none of us can sustain uh, survive the heat that's being projected from filming this. Mm-hmm. So it does, yeah, it's kind of a little crazy thing that's happening. But like I say, mm-hmm. as they're moving things forward, they do hear some laughing going on. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a big factor that happens later. Because the episode is, after all, titled The Giggle. Mm-hmm. So from here, things shift to the present day. Mm-hmm. 
And we do have right where we picked off from Wild Blue Yonder. Shit is going sideways. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't want to say it's hell on earth, but it's just, it's anarchy. I mean, basically what they find out happens is nobody's afraid of anything. Mm-hmm. Nobody's afraid of death. Nobody's afraid of this. Nobody's afraid of that. Like, you know, people are doing whatever the hell they want. And, you know, the only ones not affected because they weren't there when it kicked off, because, hey, time travel's weird, are Doctor and Donna. Everyone else is affected, though. And, and at one point, there's a guy on the street who jumps in front of a car. Yep. And the doctor basically goes, what are you doing? You, like, you could die. And he's like, I don't care. I'm not afraid of dying. He's like, well, why are you trying to stop this car from driving? Mm-hmm. He's like, listen, I'm a good, and I'm paraphrasing. He goes, listen, I'm a good citizen. I pay my taxes. You know, I'm, I pay for this. I pay for that. So, you know, since I pay my taxes, I legally own the street. And I'm saying you can't drive down the street. And eventually the doctor's like, no, you can't do that. You know, he saves the guy unit shows up and takes him back to their headquarters. Cause they're like, Hey, finally you're, you're fucking here. Mm-hmm. And they basically start trying to figure out what's going on. And basically what they find, they, they kind of know, all right, this has been going on for two days. You know, we're not entirely sure what's going on. And, and the doctor goes, well, has there been anything in the last two days that's happened, like notably, that could be linked to this? And they're like, well, there was a satellite launched, you know, two days ago. That's the, about the time that launched, people started going nuts around the world. Mm-hmm. And basically what this satellite does is it connects everyone to the Internet. From the highest mountains to the deepest oceans, like, and that's a point they make in the episode, is it reaches everywhere. Mm -hmm. So by their token, they're like, all right, this has got to be what's causing, you know, all the pandemonium. Is it something laced in with this uh, satellite? And they're like, all right, well, I forget if it's Don or the doctor. They go, well, why don't we just shoot the satellite down? Because it's unit. They've got got a lot of interesting toys and uh, gadgets in their office and they're like well that's the thing it's it's a con- another country's satellite and we don't want to exactly shoot it down without permission because we could start a, a diplomatic incident mm. and the per- they're not waiting on you know the the king of england or the uh the prime minister or any of the secretaries over in england no they're waiting on the doctor's permission and the doctor goes, no, yeah, shoot it down. Like, we got to stop this. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, any situation like this, they kind of defer to the doctor mm-hmm. always. Yeah. But he understands what's going on with this. And obviously, once it's determined that the satellite is responsible for it, this is where things kind of get interesting. Because as they you know try going further, mm-hmm. well, they do find out that the satellite was generating a certain signal. It's like a harmonic frequency. Mm-hmm. And it ties back to that period in 1925. Right. And it's a frequency that like it's it's a set of notes. They put them out. They put them on a sheet of paper and they figure out, oh, these are, you know, notes on a, on a music scale. And and Donna hums the tune. Be, she's familiar with music. She goes, wait a minute. That's familiar. Where do I know that from? It's, it's like an earworm. Mm. And they then figure out that it's a tune from, you know, it's a it's a laugh from the original broadcast or the original televised recording whatever you want to call it from 1925 1926 and what the the you know was broadcasted then and they could then come to find out it's been kind of like supplemented or like subliminally transmitted over every screen for the entire course of like television yeah it's crazy just how deep rooted this plan is because the doctor goes you know to every screen that's in the unit office command center whatever you want to call it uses a sonic screwdriver and flips in in 
unburies the message on every and it's literally on every screen the same laugh mm-hmm. it's crazy to see how this played out but yeah it's, it's going back to the whole dummy from the original toy shop mm-hmm. and that laugh that we heard that obviously before we time jump back to the present day yeah we we knew about this so that's how i mean i love how they kind of just deep rooted yeah that. yeah because this prompts our favorite duo to go get into the TARDIS and yep. go back in time. Because they figure, all right, well, if it's coming from 1925, we got to figure out how to stop it. Yeah. So when they get there, well, this is something that I thought was kind of a little bit of curveball. Uh-huh. Because the doctor wants to go alone. Yeah. And this is kind of an interesting scenario because he's never in the past really wanted to go alone. Right. Well, so they go up to the, the toy maker's shop mm-hmm. and and there's a little bit of cat and mouse hide and seek peek behind you know duck and dodge thing you know because obviously neil patrick harris's character is just fucking with the doctor right like he knows that he knows who the doctor is but the doctor hasn't yet figured out who it is mm-hmm. but they go into the uh they go into the into the business right start talking to him and that's when you know the cobwebs start coming off and he starts remembering and that you can see that the doctor is genuinely nervous. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say full blown scared, but he's definitely like, "Oh shit, I'm starting." To... He's very anxious. It, it it's the face at the grocery store of a former friend that like you don't talk to and you had a bad falling out with that all of a sudden you're walking into and going, "Ah shit, it's that person." Yep. Like I I forgot who I forgot about that person. I didn't want to think about that person, but son of a, you know what? They're here. It's the same thing, and and the doctor knows what happens with this this person because as we've said it's the toy maker and <laughs> rules don't exactly apply you know the common laws laws of physics don't apply to the toy maker and he's afraid for donna's life and he basically wants to like listen i'm gonna go through this door you gotta stay here i don't want you in the middle of this mm-hmm. and of course donna goes through anyway yeah of course donna's not listening yeah i mean no companion of the doctor has ever listened to stay on the tardis that's true Let, let's be honest yeah. Well, it was just kind of interesting that he jumps out from this because the one area that we, we haven't really dived into is since he has regenerated back as the 10th Doctor, even though he is the 14th. Mm-hmm. Sorry, folks. Same face. It's the same face. This is a situation that he's still regaining his memories, mm-hmm. that he does not have all the pieces to the puzzle. Also, as he says in the episode, he's like a billion years old. Mm-hmm. So as he's still trying to put it together, he knows that Donna's in danger, doesn't want to risk it, because obviously he understands. He lost her once. He doesn't want to lose her again. Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show that emotional side of Tenet, which, I mean, he just pours out in this scene. Mm-hmm. But once they start going into the toy ma- maker's uh, Lab- trap, Labyrinth. Yeah, because, I mean, first they wind up in a maze. Then, yep. you know, we got, what, talking uh Oh, my God. Well, yeah. So the dude at the start of the episode, the inventor, Mm -hmm. or or maybe it was his assistant. I forget which one it was, um, shows up and starts talking to the doctor. Mm -hmm. And he's up and you just see the head because he like comes behind tenant, taps him on the shoulder. And you just see him from like the way they film it is interesting because all you see is his head. Right. And you're like, oh, hey, it's it's him. I wonder why he's here. And then they do like either a camera flip or the camera pulls out and you realize he's a fucking marionette. Yeah. Which is all sorts of twisted. Oh, yeah. But it, it works, though. I yeah. mean, just, yeah. just to prove how creepy the toy maker is. Because I I don't want to say when we brought up about the Joker earlier, that's kind of the vibe I was getting a little bit from Harrison's yeah. performance. But, you yeah. know, I'm not mad about it. Yeah. Not mad at all. But this is where when they're, you know the smoke clears, the Doctor and Donna are finally meeting up with... The toy maker. Mm-hmm. 
And this is kind of like where things get really creepy. Oh, and they start to twist the knife a little bit. Yeah. Because obviously the doctor left Donna. She got glimpses of what happened to him in the last episode. Mm. And she even brought it up at one point in this episode. But he's he doesn't want, obviously, given everything that's happened since they parted, he doesn't want to talk about it. The toy maker has no issues talking about it because he brings up what happened to Rose Tyler and he brings up what happened to uh, Amelia Pond Mm -hmm. and he brings up what happened to Clara and he had like every other companion he had since before and after Donna. Yeah. Mel, everybody. He brings up what happened to them. Now, I will say he glances over a couple of facts. He talks about how he... You know, met up with Amelia Pond and they went gallivanting across space and time and then she died. Oversimplification of the story, but you know what? She hit the cliff notes. Yep. You know, but it just, you can just see the pain and anguish inside Tennant's face as he's getting forced to relive all of these memories. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, this is is a brilliant scene. Uh huh. And definitely drew out the anger of the doctor who challenges as much as the doctor does his quirkiness. Mm hmm. To a card game. Yeah, because that's what the toy maker does. He plays games. Yep. Unfortunately, though, the doctor loses. Yep. And so the toy maker goes, ha ha, I win. You're dead. Yes. So now at this point, the doctor and Donna make their escape. Well, so well, so no, what happens is the doctor goes, oh, well, yes, technically you did win, but you forgot one of the most important rules. Best two out of three. And the toy maker who is, beho- and we find out in the episode, listen, if he doesn't follow any moral compass, he follows the rules yeah. because that's who he is. He, you know, for all his faults and whatever other shenanigans he gets into, he follows the rules. And that's a rule is best two out of three. So he goes, fine, we'll play your third game because the doctor beat him once before and banished him to a, 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 another dimension. What, however they described it, he escaped, won the second game. So they're tied. You know, if it's best two out of three, none of them have won two games. So he goes, fine. We'll play your second game in 2023. And he escapes. All the meanwhile, the building dimension, whatever the hell this thing is, starts collapsing around him. They run through back out the maze, out through the front of the store, onto the street, and the building literally folds in on itself like it's one of the, like it's a sheet of paper and just disappears. You know, I at this point I got a weird thing in theory in my head that Toymaker is actually a time lord. Uh, they alluded to that. Yeah. But, they alluded. But that was the moment it kind of clicked in for me. I'm like, they alluded to, and, and now granted, if anyone's been on there like a long time watcher, we've only seen, you know, the, the reboot era stuff. Yeah. So there could be something from before mentioning this. So apologies if they've mentioned this, but that's kind of the vibe I got to, because especially the one point they mentioned, they didn't outright say it, but they kind of put him on the same level, at least power wise and yeah. ability wise as the doctor. We're basically like when the, when later in the episode when they're like trying to talk him out of destroying the the Earth, the, where the doc where Tenant is basically like, hey, listen, you and I, we can be celestial. Let's go into the TARDIS. Let's go off into space. We can be celestial beings dancing across the sky. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting setup. So that's why I said I think they tipped their hand a little too much there. Could be, which I think we'll tie into Could later. Be. But we jump to the present, and Unit has taken out the satellite mm-hmm. with a big laser beam. Giant, giant laser. Laser. It's a laser. It's a laser. Yes. I mean, complete Austin Powers, but mm-hmm. it, it works, though. But once the, the pair returns from time 
and goes into the headquarters. Well, somebody is waiting for them. Uh huh. And Pat, who is that? Well, first of all, they get a little bit of a reunion of sorts because Melanie Bush returns from do- returns uh, to Doctor Who. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, she was the uh, companion for the sixth and seventh Doctors mm. back in the eighties, uh, or back back when those Doctors were running around. Uh, but so you get a reunite reunite uh, re- reunion with Mel. They go to uh, Unit. And they basically figure out, all right, hey, here's what's going on, yada, yada, yada. And uh, all of a sudden, they start hearing music playing. Yeah. And they're like, what the hell is that music playing? And out of an elevator pops Neil Patrick Harris in full marching band attire, singing the Spice Girls classic, Spice Up Your Life. Amazing. Best scene of the episode. Absolutely crushed it. Oh, my God. Because he starts just dancing around to the music. He's turning their weapons into flowers. Petals. Yeah, like it's amazing. Because Tennant is trying to like, no, stop. Don't do like you you can't stop him. Uh, The head of unit tells two of her soldiers seize him. She turns them into balls from like a ball pit at your local play place, Mm -hmm. which she goes, oh, my God, what happened? Then he's like, they're dead. I'm sorry. He's like, no, stop. Let me let me handle this. And she says, open fire. So all of the soldiers in the room start taking their their weapons and fire, pointing them towards the toy maker and firing. Except, like you said, all that come out are rose petals. Yep. And in a scene from uh, what was that? What was that movie? American Beauty. Yep. Like a scene out, like the scene out of American Beauty, just with slightly more clothes on. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris is swimming in the rose petals on the floor. Yeah, he's doing snow angels. It's 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 a great scene. It's hysterical. I mean, but it, it fits to the campiness of Doctor Who. Uh huh. So, like I said, this is this is vintage Who right here. Yep. So eventually, the toy maker escapes to the building or the top of the roof with the laser. Yeah. So they fa- he leaves. They're like they've been trying to track him and try to hunt him down before he showed up. The process is still going on during the whole song and dance. He's like, "Listen, we should be further along. We need to find him." And they go, "Oh, we we, we found him. He's on the roof." Yeah. So they go up to the roof, and this is where the toy maker is saying, you know, more or less like, "I want round three. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of messing around with it a little bit, threatening to kill Mel, threatening to kill the head of unit, threatening threatening to kill Donna, threatening to kill the doctor. Mm-hmm. So. When this comes through, more or less, the toy maker decides to take out the doctor for not playing by the rules. Well, he, well, no, he decides. You know what? We're going to play the game, but I want to do it with. You know, I beat. I I lost to one doctor. Mm-hmm. I beat this doctor. I want to face the next doctor. Yeah. So he shoots the doctor with the laser. He shoots tenant. He shoots tenant with the laser because he's like, hey, you know what? I know how he because he knows how to force him to regenerate. And he goes, I'm going to do it with the next doctor. Mm-hmm. That's what I say. Like, that was another big tipping point that he's a time lord. Mm-hmm. He, or at least aware of what they can do. Right. But it just seems that it made that much more sense. Yeah. So as you see David Tennant get blasted with a laser, mm-hmm. you see the companions run to each side of him. Mm-hmm. And in very Doctor Who fashion. Says Geronimo. Yeah. Or no, he says uh, LNZ. Yep. And then he asks them to pull. Well, because first the, the the energy starts coming out of him like it's getting ready for a uh, regeneration, mm-hmm. and then it stops. And, uh, and I'm watching like, oh, here we go again. And then the music stops, and I'm like, J.K. And then he looks at Donna because Donna's on his on his uh, his right, our left, uh, and says, "Hey, can you pull my arm? What you want us to do? What?" He's like, "Pull my arm." He goes, "This feels different than before." And, she, and Donna and Mel start pulling, and out of David Tennant, 
half of David Tennant comes the 15th Doctor. Mm-hmm. So introduction to Shudigawa. Mm-hmm. And so now it is determined that this is the theory of bi-generation. Mm-hmm. They've bi-generated, which has never happened. And according to them, isn't even really a thing. It's supposed to be a myth. Yeah, it's an urban legend. It ain't a myth or an urban legend no more. Yeah. Because it happened. Or a galactic legend, we should say. Yes. Because it goes through time and space. Yes. So it's a situation that now we have two doctors mm-hmm. and they're ready to face the toy maker in one last time. Which also shouldn't be a thing because as has been history with the exception of the 50th anniversary, two doctors shouldn't be in the same timeline or point in time together right. because things should explode if that happens. Mm-hmm. But hey, reasons. Yes. This is definition of reasons right here. So you do see that they wind up defeating... <laughs> The toy maker. In a, in a game of catch. In a game of catch. In a game of catch. The most extreme game of catch I've ever seen. Yes. And so the the toy maker is now gone. Right. Well, so they, the, you know, they won the game, so they banish the toy maker off to some other dimension or to never return again. You know, but I'm sure they'll find, if they want to bring him back at some point, they'll find a loophole or something they forgot to mention. Well, at this stage, you know, it went from being the Joker to Mr. Mistleplick. Yes. Good good analogy. So, like I say, there's going to be a way they're going to bring him back. Yes. And especially, too, with how they set this up, mm-hmm. and I'll get to it just, just a little bit, It we get a resolution about what happens with everybody because David Tennant's doctor is convinced uh, to go back with Donna mm-hmm. and live his life away from the the adventures of Doctor Who. Well, yeah. So they've you now got two Doctors, which has never happened before outside of the 50th anniversary special where there were three technically. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's become a case of like, okay, well, why why is this a thing? Why are you the way? Why did this face return? And basically, the way they come up with it is: listen, you've been running around, you've been fighting wars for all this time. That you had, you're running on fumes. Even, even you know, the fifteenth doctor says, like, listen, I'm you, and I know you're running on fumes. Mm-hmm. You know, you you're just stretched too thin. And Donna basically tells him, like, listen, you need to take a step back, relax, and just live. Because mm-hmm. she, she says, listen, look what I did after you left me. She goes, I, you know, took a step back. I took a couple jobs. I started a family and I just, you know, hung out and I did what I did every day. And, you know, the doctor goes, oh, but that, that'd be so boring. You know, well, what would I do? And she goes, yeah, it might be. But that's part of the fun is, is hanging out with, with your friends and family. Mm-hmm. And he, they, that's when he elects to stay, you know, all right, fine. You know, I'll let you, you being the 15th doctor, go off and do your thing. I'm, I'm going to stay here. But then he comes into the issue of, well, I don't want to leave the TARDIS. I've been with it for so long. And the 15th doctor goes, well, wait a minute. We won the game. We're supposed to get a prize. Let's get our prize. Mm. Pulls a mallet out of one. I forget where he pulls his mallet. out. He pulls a mallet out of some place. Yeah. Like a Harley Quinn mallet, too. And he goes, one, two, three. And he smacks the TARDIS with the mallet and turns it into another TARDIS. Yeah. Only difference between these two TARDISes is one of them's got a jukebox. Inside, look the same as the new look does. But the one's got a jukebox mm-hmm. and it's wheelchair accessible. Yeah, which is awesome. Which is awesome. Yeah. So we now have a new. There's there's two doctors. Yeah. There's two TARDISes. There's two sonic screwdrivers. So we'll see where this goes. Yeah. So like I say, it's, it's really kind of crazy to see what plays out here. Mm-hmm. 
But then there was also a little key point, too, about a tooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so at some point along the line, he didn't say when. The toy maker imprisoned the master yeah. inside of a golden tooth in his mouth, and he made a point of showing said golden tooth. It gleamed. And then when he got went to get banished into another realm or another dimension, that golden tooth fell out. Mm-hmm. And someone or something grabbed said tooth off of the roof of unit. Yeah. So at some point here, the master's coming back again. Which I'm not opposed to. No, I'm definitely not. Master's I mean, always been good. The Master's always been the Joker to the Doctor yeah. Who's Batman. So yeah. like, let's let's face it. But the f- the fact that I'm almost wondering is the toy maker a spinoff of the Master? Is, is maybe yeah. he's not the first one to to do maybe. the by generation? Maybe that's kind of a, like it, it's a crazy theory, but I mean it's got some steam to it. I mean the other thing too is there was a mention in the first special. You know, the Star Beast. And then there was a mention in this episode of, like, someone higher, someone stronger, someone more powerful coming. Mm-hmm. Something's coming. You know, it's it. the toy maker didn't want to mess with it. Even even I forget what it was he said specifically, but but the toy maker was basically like, even I don't want to mess with this. Yeah. And the meep was like, yeah, no, this thing's coming. We don't mess with this thing. So so something's coming some point along the way. I'm willing to guess before the end of this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. But, you know, something's coming that's got the toy maker, the man who gives no shits about the laws of physics and, you know, and scares an intergalactic dominating teddy bear. Yeah. It's an interesting setup that they have here because with Tenet now disappearing in the in the, you know, nothingness. Well, disappearing in a regular life for now. Right. For now, you have Shudigawa that's going to take over the adventures. Right. And yet you still have. The toy maker allegedly out of the picture. For now. The master has now been left back in. Yeah, that's uh, coming sooner than later. And then there's also the rumor of the big bad behind it. I mean, there's a lot of loopholes that they just didn't tie up with this episode. Russell T. Davies is playing 4D chess. Yes, he is. And I'm here. Oh, I mean, that's the whole thing. He's such a masterful storyteller that you have to trust him. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about this, that when we get really diving into the new Doctor season... We are going to get some answers, but if there's somebody that's even worse than the Master coming... Yeah, well, the only thing we've got on the horizon now is the uh, Christmas special, which, right. is, which is dropping on Christmas Day. They put out a thing today, uh, which is a, a musical number from the upcoming Christmas special. You really can't tell much about it. It's a little wonky. Uh, the only thing I'm curious about it is who's singing that, because it sounds like a professional singer singing that song. Mm. That's the only thing I'm curious about. Um, gave me real Hobbit vibes, if you've seen the Hobbit movies. You'll know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, but no, that's the only thing we've got on the line for Doctor Who because we know the next season is coming sometime next year, mm-hmm. but we don't know when. No, we don't know when, but we do know that obviously they've raised the bar for where we're going. Mm-hmm. And there's just there's a lot of questions that I got, but I'm excited as a fan because I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the one thing that we always kind of forget about in this stage that it's cool to be surprised. Yeah. You know, especially with how many leaks get put out about yeah. you know different projects. Yeah. This has been very good reps. Deadpool. Uh Uh-huh. No, the thing I will say, too, though, is I I like the look because they did a video on social media of what uh, the shooty got got was uh, Sonic Screwdriver. Because you saw it in the episode. It looked good. It looks real interesting, and I like it. But the other thing I like on it, too, is I forget what the saying was, but in the video they posted the social media showing off the Sonic Screwdriver, he said there was like a Rwandan saying on it. 
but written in the Gallifreyan symbols. Yeah. Which I thought was an awesome, awesome It's very touch. cool. Yeah, no, every, everything they've had come out for Shooty's uh, debut has been mm-hmm. nothing but win. Yeah. And I mean, and I think they ended the 60th anniversary specials on a high note. Yeah, no, I, I was afraid it wasn't going to live up to the 50th because the 50th was just such a whirlwind. And right. When they announced it, oh, we're going to have Matt, David Tennant and Matt Smith together on the same career. I'm like, holy shit. Like, and then, and then that played out. I'm like, oh my God, how are they going to top this? And, you know, the first two episodes, I'm like, ah, you know what? It's not, it's coming close to the 50th, but it's not living up to the, fi- it, it lived up to the 50th. Yeah, that's the big thing. When you can live up to the 50th, you really nail it. Uh huh. And especially with what they did here. I mean, strong performances all around from yeah. Patrick Harris, David yeah. Tennant, Catherine Tate. Like I said, they had so many people involved with this mm-hmm. that there was no way that, like, this was going to f- miss. Like, there was just no way. And this is the one thing that Doctor Who does better than arguably anybody. They really make sure that they tie up loose ends and the sense of like they're going to give you when they say special, they're going to give you specials. Mm-hmm. And they only leave the loose ends on there when it's something they want you to, to be invested in and go from there. And that's one thing that I thought they did exceptionally well here because, like I said, the ending is a little confusing at times. Yeah. Just because I'm an impatient fan. Sure. And I want to see what they're going to do. Well, also, Doctor Who never does things A to B to C. It's A to B, back to A, over to D, back to C, over to G. Yeah, like it's all over the place, which is one of the beauty and charms. But at the same time, if it's more streamlined in that aspect, mm-hmm. it becomes a little more easy to figure out. Mm-hmm. This one, I think, I still think is anybody's guess. Yeah. But there's a lot more upside to it that is keeping me invested as a fan. Mm-hmm. So that's where I want to see where we go from here. Yeah. But nothing but big wins here for what is going on with Doctor Who is the 60th anniversary is coming to a close. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about The Giggle now airing on BBC and Disney Plus? And where do you think the direction of Doctor Who is going with the 15th Doctor in place? Let's talk about it. We're going to take a quick break first, though. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Scott Snyder, and you better listen to the ODPH podcast or I'm coming for you and Batman is coming for you. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. we got a lot of one-shots. Pad, kick us off. Got a couple things to talk about, first of which is the local minute for sports, and we got to talk some Binghamton Black Bears hockey and looking at the standings for the Federal Prospects Hockey League and the Empire Division. Another week. Still in first place. Let's go. Binghamton Black Bears in first place with a record of 11, 2, and 3. Uh, total Grand total of 38 points. In second place is Motor City with 28. Danbury in third with 24 points. Watertown in fourth with 18 points. And Elmira in last with a rec- or, or with 10 points. Excuse me. Uh, looking at their schedule from the last week, uh, they had two games, both on the road against the Carolina Thunderbirds. They won the game on Friday by the final score of 2-1. to one. Hope they got short memories because they'll want to forget the game on Saturday. Lost by the final score of 8-3. to three. Mm. Uh, Looking at the schedule they have for this upcoming weekend, they got two games. Uh, both of them are at home. Friday is uh, December 15th, 7 o'clock Eastern. They are playing the Danbury Hat Tricks. And then Saturday, December 16th at 7 o'clock Eastern, they are playing the Watertown Wolves. Uh, so for more tickets, information, all that good stuff, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. And we got to talk a little bit of baseball because there's been some... Uh, Notable baseball news in the last week or so. I would say so. Uh, first of which is the Yan- New York Yankees officially traded with the San Diego Padres for Juan Soto. Uh, they also got Trent Grisham, I believe is his name, back in the trade. They gave up a few p- uh, pieces for him. But, hey, uh, I understand why they gave up what they did, seeing as the San Diego Padres are losing at least one, if not two, if not three 
uh, starting pitchers, one of which being the reigning defending undisputed NL Cy Young award winner, uh, Blake Snell. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I understand that, but Juan Soto is officially a New York Yankee. Uh, Dude only hit like 12 home runs at home last season. Uh, That's in not hitter-friendly San Diego. Uh, He's coming to hitter-friendly New York. Uh, Something tells me he's going to be hitting a few more home runs at home. Yeah, I would definitely say this big move for the Yanks. Uh, The only thing I fear with this, but this is an easy fix for him, they have to sign him long-term. The only thing that's going to be the hitch with that is he is a Scott Boris uh, client. Typically, he does not do extensions before the end of a contract, but you never know. We'll, well, see. we'll see. I think that might have to be something that they work in there. But Could I, be. but like I say, I'm, I'm definitely excited about the move. Yeah. It can only help. Uh, uh-huh. He's just got to stay healthy and put up some numbers. Then the other one we got to talk about is the one that shocked the baseball and sporting world uh, mm-hmm. because Shohei Otani officially made his decision uh, after a tumultuous Friday. Uh, because this went down on Saturday, uh, Shohei Otani signed a 10-year, $700 million contract with the Los <sighs> Angeles Dodgers. A lot of details with specific numbers, you know, breakdown stuff is not known with the contract at this time. It's been widely reported that there is a ton, like historic level of deferred money with this contract. Mm. So, And that's to help with the competitive balance tax and to help the team be able to sign some other players now and, and be able to build a winning team now. So something tells me that despite this contract ending at 2034 when he becomes a free agent, he'll be getting paid well beyond 2034. Uh, if they start on the uh, Bobby Bonilla uh, method, yeah. Bobby Bonilla method, they'll be paying him till 2700. Uh, but the nutty thing with this contract is he will be making more than six, eight teams currently uh, in Major League Baseball. He'll be making more than the Cleveland Guardians, Miami Marlins, Kansas City Royals, Milwaukee Brewers, Cincinnati Reds, Pittsburgh Pirates, Baltimore Orioles, and Oakland Athletics collectively pay right now, which is kind of fucking nuts. Uh, the other thing that's kind of the hubbub and mess with this is there was the kerfuffle that went down on Friday. So, yeah. so the thing that went down on Friday was you had uh, one reporter. I'm not going to name names because I don't want anybody to go after this person. They've apologized, but I still don't want you to go after them. One reporter reported Friday that he was on a flight from California to Toronto mm-hmm. and he was on his way. And people started looking for private flights out because Lord knows Shohei Otani ain't going to take a public flight out of uh, California. So people started figuring trying to figure out where he would go at one point there was 4000 people watching a private flight out of one of the airports in California for Toronto with like 4000 people watching this mm-hmm. come to find out the flight was one of the guys from Shark Tank not Mark Cuban oh really yeah f- hilarious story so the flight 4000 people were tracking on flight wow. ra- the 4000 people that were tracking the flight on flight radar 24 turned out to be a flight for some guy from one of the guys from shark tank. And we can verify this because the CBC, the Canadian broadcasting company sent a photographer out there just in case it was Shohei, mm-hmm. And it wasn't, uh, but the reading from a tweet by Brandon, uh, Weil, uh, who is a Baseball Writers of America uh, member, and he is the supervising editor on the score for Major League Baseball. Uh, He tweeted, this is uh, a couple days ago as we record, quote, so putting all the Otani pieces together, it looks like Otani hoped to land with the Dodgers. It was reported early he knew he wanted to go, gave them chance for final offer. The agent likely initially wasn't getting the money he wanted. Uh, someone Otani's camp question mark leaked that he was signing with the blue Jays and he was traveling to Toronto after those leaks. 
Dodgers thought they might lose him and came in with final offer. And then he included a photo of an article from Tom Berducci, who's another baseball writer, who says, quote, on Friday, reports broke that Otani's camp, Otani's signing was imminent and that he was headed to Toronto to sign with the Blue Jays. The report was completely erroneous. The Dodgers didn't know that. They held meetings Friday night with an air of worry. The rumors were likely false, they decided, but they still created angst among the Los Angeles executives. Quote, you just don't know, says one of the one of the Dodgers executives when asked about the Friday night meetings. That's the best way to describe it. We just didn't know it was not a comfortable feeling, close quote. So Dodgers fans understandably miffed about this whole thing because there's a lot of people because Drake at one point got involved in this because he put a photo on Instagram or wherever it was of him wearing a Blue Jays Otani jersey. Oh, my God. Because, of course, Drake's got close ties with the Toronto Raptors, so presumably he knows some folks sure. in the Toronto front office. Oh, Drake's giving us a hint. He's coming. A lot of folks got hyped up, and then they got their hopes dashed. So. Yeah. Wild story. It's a wild story indeed, but this just proves let the process play out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the one thing. I mean, you could, it, in a weird sense, it's kind of like the same thing happened with LeBron going to Miami way back yes. when. Yes. Except, you know, he didn't do a special to announce that he's taking his talents to South Beach. He scooped every writer who was trying to be the first to get the uh, credit. Well, that, he posted it on Instagram. Well, that's the whole thing. If he's smart, and, and he clearly is. He was like, I don't need to tell anybody until I'm ready to tell anybody. Yeah. And he did. Like, So he did it his way. If anybody else was already thinking that he was coming there, stop. Like, It, it proves how fans can be very excited, but at the same time, they got to be smart. Yeah, and, and it just proves how crazy this situation gets. Because at one point, there was a rumor going around that Shohei didn't want people to know the name of his dog because it was allegedly an implication or a hint as to where he might go. So you had people on television speculating the name of his dog Trying to guess what it could mean for where he wanted to go. Hmm. It just got all sorts of Yeah, insane. it's out of control. As for the contract, absolutely absurd. That's a joke. It, uh, he, now, mind you, he's not even going to pitch this year because he had Tommy John surgery, but he can still hit. But still, he's, he's not even going to be able to pitch this year. But the fact that he's getting paid $700 million over the course of 10-plus years is insane. We're going to live in the day and age where somebody's getting a billion dollars. I hope that doesn't happen until after I die. Yeah, same here. But I, I could understand it if you were saying like four or five hundred million with him. Then at least I could be like, okay, it's a lot, but like I get it. Sure. See, but even six stretching it, seven, fuck off. No, I mean, the deal is, and I'm sorry, you're paid to play a professional sport. Mm-hmm. There has to be like a, a hard cap all around on the board about like how much money is there. Right. And like, say, not. Not to go on like too much of a rant, but it's like I'm sorry. I feel that there's other jobs in this world that are more important. Yeah, that deserve more funding than yeah. sitting here throwing money at somebody that's going to pitch every five days, and you know be a part of a team. Yeah, and and listen, there are some teams and some owners that are richer than others. Yeah, that I mean that's a fact, but. I mean, I, I don't see every team throwing a number like this out, uh, out at free agents or hell, even what the Yankees do or the Red Sox do or the Mets do. Well, you know, but at the same time, some of you owners could be less cheapskates than you currently are. Well, that's the whole thing. When you deal with looking the, at you, Oakland days, when you deal with a professional business, you mean Las Vegas days. You nah, mean, they're still Oakland. Well, like I said, they haven't officially left. But that's but it goes down to the point. Like if you're going to be an owner of a professional sports team, you want to be make it a competitive product for your fans and the game itself. 
Mm-hmm. So if you're not willing to do it, like, why are you here? Oakland but, A's, Oakland A's owner is worth a reported uh, $3 billion. Yeah. Oakland A's are like either second to last or last in terms of uh, payroll. Right. But I mean, but it all sorry, goes, sorry, dude, you can uh, skip on some caviar to help your team. Well, I mean, allegedly, because it, it'll come back and help you. Well, I mean, that's, that's the whole thing with that. It's just you, when you have teams that are not spending money and, and just kind of treating it as like a fun toy, mm-hmm. like you're not going to do anything for longevity or your franchise. Like, I'm sorry, yeah. that's just how I read it. Yeah. But then it's like, you go to the opposite end of the spectrum here. Seven hundred million dollars for one person. Like I'm sorry, I'd like. That's I, insane. It's insane. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. So you know what? I'm not wishing anything bad against the Dodgers, but if they don't win, I mean, this will just tell you money can't buy everything. And also, uh, nationally, congratulations. There's your next MVP for the next ten years because the writers love Shohei. Yeah, and hey, maybe that means Aaron Judge can win a few more. There you go. Uh, then we got to talk some trailers because there was a bunch of trailers that came out the last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of which is the upcoming Netflix show, movie, whatever this thing's going to be. Uh, mobile Suit Gundam Requiem for a Vengeance. Now, admittedly, I am not up to date on my Mobile Suit Gundam uh, shows. Yeah. Making it work on that. I'm, I'm going through all the shows and watching them start to finish. I'm still working on the original right now. So I'll get there eventually. Uh, but this trailer did catch my eye because it is unlike any other trailer I've seen for a anime Gundam show to date uh, because no date on when this is coming out, just a coming soon. Uh, but and according to the uh, description in the video on the released on the Netflix anime YouTube page, it says, quote, Mobile Suit Gundam Requiem for Vengeance is coming soon to Netflix in joint production with Sunrise and Safe House Inc. and made with Unreal Engine 5. Now, if you don't know what Unreal Engine 5 is, that's one of the uh, engines they use to make video games. Okay. Not all of them. It's one of them. But I looked at this and I went, this looks like a fucking video game. And sure enough, it does. And I got to say, it looks real good. Hmm. I might give this a watch whenever this decides to come out. It looked good. It did. Uh, then we got to talk some video game trails because there were a plethora of video game trails that came out in the last week or so. Well, there's a reason for it. There was a reason for it. And that would be the Video Game Awards, which did just come out. Uh, surprise to no one, Baldur's Gate 3 won Game of the Year. No, nah, not really a surprise there. Uh, Call of Duty developers, get your Haney's out of a bunch. Christopher Judge said nothing wrong. Christopher Judge, if you don't know, is the voice actor who voices Kratos in the God of War franchise. Okay. Uh, the reboot franchise, not the originals. He's the most recent games. Uh, he gave a long-ass speech last year when he won Best Voice Actor, whatever it was. Like, the the speech went on for, like, almost 10 minutes. It was, mm-hmm. abs- it was absurdly long. Like, I'm pretty sure they even gave him the Oscars music playoff at least twice. Uh, he gave he came up to present an award this game uh, game award season and gave a real short speech and he said hey this speech is longer than or at least my speech this year was shorter than the uh, Call of Duty uh, campaign hmm which got everyone going oh you know and I I giggled at it I'm like yeah no, that's that, 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 funny that's line. funny but the Call of Duty developers got their panties in a bunch uh, so hey calm down it was a joke and also. Stop selling a full-blown DLC as a $70 game because that's what you're doing. You can't you can't play Modern Warfare 3 without owning Modern Warfare 2, and they're still charging you 70 bucks for it. So calm down. Uh, but the, some of the trailers we're going to talk about that were released during said Game, uh, game Awards, uh, one of which was Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Uh, cool trailer. A lot of, lot of uh, stuff shown off for it. God, I hope if, uh, if they kill Aerith off in this one it's gonna be heartbreaking although you never know because 
Uh, Zach Strife, who was in this trailer, and uh, if you played the first one, spoiler alert, dude's supposed to be dead. He's not dead. I mm-hmm. say spoiler alert, but the game came out a couple years ago, like three, four years ago. It's not really a spoiler at this point. Uh, but you never know what's going to happen with this game this time around, because uh, in the original game, Zach Strife is dead. Not even in the first one. Got introduced in a later game. Hmm. Was hinted at in the, in the original. But he's alive at this point. So yeah. you never know what's going to happen, but we did get a release date for it. It is releasing worldwide on two discs. February 29th, 2024. Yeah, I mean, trailer looked really good, but looks it's very good. It's Final Fantasy. I mean, they can't really mess that up too much. Uh, and a trailer that I know excited the hell out of you. Let's go. Coming from the folks over at Bethesda and Arcane Lion, uh, that's the studio that worked on Dishonored and Deathloop, is a um, Blade video game. Uh, it's going to be a, a mature, single-player, third-person game set in the heart of Paris. It is now in development in collaboration with Marvel Games. No word on the, when this is coming out. We didn't even see gameplay footage for this, so don't take the trailer as an in- indication of what the game is going to look like because it's like probably pre-rendered CGI, computer CGI. It's just like a concept of what it's going to be about and where it's going to take place. I would expect the next trailer we see whenever that's going to be because, hey, E3 is not really a thing anymore. Uh, but whenever they decide to unveil you know, the next trailer, that's probably when we're going to get maybe a gameplay look at what it looks like. But... I'm willing to bet since it's made by Bethesda's involved and Microsoft owns Bethesda, this is probably going to be an Xbox exclusive game, Mm -hmm. which, you know, eh, sucks. But, hey, I'm a PlayStation guy and I've got Marvel's Wolverine and Spider-Man. Yeah, like I say, it it plays in your favor. But, no, this this is exciting news. To be honest, I didn't even hear anything about this being mentioned for a game. So the fact that we're getting that and I know the Mersha Ali uh, movie is back on track. Mm -hmm. uh, Hearing positive things coming out from that as well, too. So. It looks like Blade is going to have a big 2024, and you know that's good for Marvel to get some good press, so mm-hmm. I'm excited for that. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the Dragon Ball uh, Sparking Zero trailer that came out. Uh, this, of course, is the successor to the last Budokai Tenkaichi game. Uh, no word when this is coming out. The trailer just says Wishlist Now. It's coming out for PlayStation 5, the Xbox Series X slash S, and it's going to be out on PC through Steam. Game looks good. You know, it's got kind of that look the last couple Dragon Ball games have, have had, you know, with uh, Xenoverse to uh, Kakarot. Uh, and obviously the uh, fighting game, I, f- I forget what that one's called. Looks good. You know, mm. not a whole lot to it. It's it's just kind of like a cinematic, hey, they're fighting trail, which is a Dragon Ball game. They're, of course they're going to be fighting. Yeah. The cast looks like it's going to be nuts just because it's some of the Dragon Ball characters. You know, Goku, Vegeta, you know, Krillin's in there. Uh, Yamcha, I know, is shown in there. Piccolo also. But then you've got some of the characters from Super. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the Jiren is glimpsed at one point. Majin Buu's uh, glimpsed at one point. So we'll see what it looks like. I'm sure I'm going to pick this thing up because it looks awesome. But I cannot wait for that to come out. Look very cool uh and then lastly certainly not leastly from the trailers the one everyone has waiting since 20 god what 2011 2012 something like it man we finally got a trailer for gta 6 yes coming in 2025 so not even coming out next year <laughs> surprising no one Sur- yeah, surprising no one but it's coming out uh in 2025 the game as has been rumored and semi-confirmed, uh, going to be set in the Vice City fr- uh, location, so it's going to be set in Miami. Uh, probably going to see a Rick Ross cameo in this game. Wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, game looks good. Game looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be all the antics you would ensue with a Grand Theft Auto game. But the fact that like it's been three generations because the GTA Five came out on a lot of people associated with like PS4 and and the la- uh, Xbox One. It came out on the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3 originally. It came out when I was still in college. Yeah. Because I remember buying Saints Row 4, 
playing through that and getting through everything I could do with that. And then Grand Theft Auto Five came out. I sold Saints Row Four back to the GameStop where I was going to school as credit towards GTA Five, and I bought GTA Five while I was still in college. So it came out originally on the PlayStation Three, Xbox Three Sixty. Then they re-released it with first-person only mode added for PlayStation Four and the Xbox One. Uh, and then they uh, re re-released it for PlayStation Five and the and the most recent Xbox. So it, it's absolutely insane that Grand Theft Auto skipped an entire console generation. But hey, we're we're GTA five, uh, Six right around the corner. Hard to believe it's here, but you know what? Good. I'm yeah. glad to see it. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, like I say, I just want to actually get it physically in my hands, and then we'll go uh-huh. from there. I do too. All right. So very quickly for me, uh, the UFC and NXT stuff. Uh, we'll be talking wrestling this week on Wrestling Night Live Nerd Initiative Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So you get the NXT recap there. Uh, you know, other than that, it was kind of a little more quieter week per se as far as WWE and AEW goes. Mm-hmm. But a lot of great stuff has happened on the indie. So definitely want to make sure you drop that subscribe button for that, and also keep an ear out for it in podcast form. Yeah. A lot of stuff happening there as well, so definitely make sure you follow Nerd Initiative for all that. The UFC uh, card this weekend, I'll be talking on Patreon about. Okay. So definitely have my thoughts there. Want to make sure that we give a little incentive for this month's bonus episode, so we'll definitely have a lot to talk about that. So patreon.com slash ODPH podcast. And quick bit of movie news, because we didn't get a chance to talk about this last week, but it's yeah. been officially confirmed Two new additions into the Superman Legacy movie from James Gunn. Okay. One, we had heard the rumor. It was all done deal, but the tweet has come out, so I guess it's now the equivalent of Facebook official. Nicholas Hout will be playing the role of Lex Luthor. Oh, okay. So, Good actor. Yeah, so there was a tweet that was put out by James Gunn on his Instagram, or actually a post on his Instagram, I should say, quote, yes, I can finally answer Nicholas Hout is Lex Luthor in Superman Legacy. I couldn't be happier. When we went out to dinner last night to celebrate and discuss how we could create a Lex, it would be different different from anything that we've seen before and we'll never forget. Quote, but James, we've heard this weeks ago. Why didn't you tell us it was true? Unquote. Uh, quote, because we were still discussing it. Or we were discussing it. It wasn't final until a couple of days ago, and I didn't want to tell you something that wasn't certain. Anyway, here's to Lex, one of my favorite characters in the DCU, end quote from the Instagram post, and there's a picture up of them as well. Nice. Uh, in case you don't know, uh, Nicholas Hout, known for such films as uh, Nux and Mad Max Fury Road, uh, Marcus Brewer in, a, in About a Boy. Wasn't that the movie that was filmed over like the course of 10 years? I believe so. Something like that. Uh, he was also in the movie Warm Bodies, and he was also uh, Hank and Beast from X-Men Days of Future Past. Yes, he is. he was part of the new school of the X-Men yeah. class, so it's very cool to see him. I know that he'd been rumored to j- be joining the new DCU in some uh, manner, shape, or form. Also, played J.R.R. Tolkien in the biopic Tolkien. Yep. If you're a Lord of the Rings fan, highly recommend that movie. Yeah, no, he's he's a great addition. He's a great actor. Good movie. Glosses over some stuff, but eh, it's a movie. Yeah, but definitely a huge win for this new uh, Superman Legacy reboot. Yeah. And it was also announced uh, quietly, which I know it generated a little bit of buzz, but I mean, honestly... I, this did not like crush me in any, in any single way, except I was super excited to hear who is going to be playing. And that is Sean Gunn is coming to the DCU, oh, which we all knew. Yeah. And he's been cast as Maxwell Lord. Wait, the dude, the, the same, well, I'd say the same dude. The former dude that uh, Pedro Pascal was playing. Oh, okay. So this, huh. yeah, no, which like I said, it didn't, cru- it didn't crush me because like Maxwell Lord, I'm not the biggest fan of. I like Pedro Pascal in that movie, but the, the role was not great. Right. How it was written, and I yeah. agree with you. It wasn't. I think what they're going to do is you're going to see the slow but sure building of JLI. Ooh. And that's where Maxwell Lord will come in because yeah. knowing James Gunn, I think that's where we're going to get. We're going to get some Justice League International. 
eventually. I'll say this. The only reason I remember that character's name is because of Pedro Pascal's performance. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, Other than that, forgettable role. Well, yeah, exactly. As far as the movies go, very forgettable. <laughs> Comics-wise, a little more complicated. Bye, bye. You know him more for being one of the, the, the mysterious figure behind Justice League International from the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, definitely goes in a little different directions as time goes forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and the connection with Wonder Woman that they tried doing on the big screen, you understand why if you read the comics. Mm. I will leave it at that, but mm. I am excited for the casting because I think that Gunn is going to get him right mm-hmm. as far as the big screen portrayal. And when Lord is written right, mm-hmm. a lot of good things can come from the character. Okay. And I think that's why I said, like, it didn't blow me away, but I'm like, if they go this route, I will be excited for it. Mm-hmm. But I'm not definitely not hating on this right. one, one way or another. Right. So definitely a lot of exciting news happening with DC Films. Yeah. But speaking of comics, we got to close this out how we always do. Pad, let's talk about what's coming at the shops this week. Uh, so what I'm picking up this week, one from Mar- uh, DC, two from Marvel. The one from DC is uh, Superman Action Comics, issue number 1060. Of course, Philip K. Johnson's still writing. Uh, this one is uh, Action Comics, Into the Abyss with John Constantine. Mm. A mistake from Superman's past has returned, and Metropolis hangs in the balance as the super family is betrayed from within and stripped of all their powers one by one. Superman sets out on a suicide mission in to the multiverse alongside the unlikeliest of allies Constantine the demon uh, Etrigan and making his return to action comics Bloodwind plus during Beast World in Metropolis Dreamer has a run-in with the life-changing consequences and Zod's son begins to suspect new Kandor isn't as peaceful as it seems in the prelude to kneel before Zod number one Hmm. So that sounds like it's going to be all sorts of nuts. Uh, then from the, well, one's from Dark Horse, I should say. Uh, the first one, that is uh, Star Wars, The High Republic Adventures. Uh, phase three, issue number one from Daniel Jose Older. Uh, this one reads, quote, out here at the edge of the war, death surrounds us. It has been one year since the fall of Starlight. Padawan Lula uh, Talisola and many others are missing and presumed dead. At the Alamage Cantina, a Republican outpost on the planet of, of Iridu, Zine mourns and waits when an intriguing transmission is received uh, from Tartakville. Uh, a warlord on the remote moon of Barakrant, Zine, Court, and a void contemplating droid named 5AG3 must venture once more into the hyperspace to repair their fractured team and perhaps the galaxy. Super exciting stuff. Like I've said before, High Republic is some of the best writing Star Wars is doing to date. And then the other one I'm going to mention is from the wonderful folks over at Marvel. Uh, this one is Star Wars High Republic Shadow of Starlight issue number three from Charles Soule. There you go. Uh, Bell Zedifar, Jedi Knight. Many Jedi Knights were lost in the fall of Starlight Beacon, and many lost their way after the disaster. Bell Zedifar did not. With his trusty Sharhound Ember at his side, Bell will battle to rid the galaxy of the villainous Nihil. And they won't be alone. Learn who survived the fall of Starlight. So obviously, Star- the Starlight uh, is a space station that has been kind of the central focusing point along what's been going on in the High Republic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to kind of see what's been going on with that and, and get some updates because they did Phase 1. Phase 2 was kind of like a look back. Now they're going back to where they were in Phase 3. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where they go because I'm super excited for this. Yeah, no, there's a lot of cool stuff coming out from Star Wars, especially, like, say, Charles Soul. Mm-hmm. You can't really go wrong there. Nope. All right, for me on the DC front... Well, we have Beast World number two coming out. So that is the big Titans crossover. If you read the first issue, it was wild. I fully expect this to be 
right there with it. It's going to be exciting times. Also coming out from DC, Batman and Robin number four. This is one of my favorite Batman stories I've read in quite some time. It's fun. Uh, it doesn't get into too much of what's going on in the Chip Zdarsky run, which I do love. I want to make that very well clear. Okay. But this is more focusing on the dynamic between uh, literally Batman and Robin, Bruce and Damian Wayne, the father mm. and son dynamic. So I've really enjoyed the series thus far. Uh, like I say, the first three issues have been great. I fully expect this one to be something as well, too. Outsiders number two. So this is the return of one of the more interesting teams in the DC universe. Uh, but with the hive mind writing, uh, Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, you, you know I'm definitely going to check this out. Their Thunderbolts was freaking amazing with Geraldo Borges drawing. Oh, my God. Mm. So good. Okay. So, so good. Uh, that's with Marvel. But obviously, Outsiders, they're doing some really cool things. Issue number one was definitely different than I thought it was going to be. I like the take they're doing, though. Okay. Because the Outsiders can be a tricky team um, for various reasons. But I like what they're setting up here. Uh, also, from Marvel coming out on Wednesday, Spider-Gwen Smash, number one. Mm. Melissa Flores is writing. That's okay. all I need. Melissa Flores writing Spider-Gwen. Go Spider. Done. Take enough, my, enough said. Take my money. Because uh, obviously, if you read my Morphin Power Rangers by Boom Studios or The Dead Lucky by Image Comics and Black Market Narrative, you know Melissa is an amazing writer, and I fully expect this to be something that's very, very special. Also, from Dark Horse, funny you mentioned that, Pat. Yeah? They have got a really big week coming out this week, but there's one book that caught my attention, and that is Masterpiece. Mm. And it's Brian Michael Bendis okay. and Alex Malv, who you know from Daredevil and yep. Scarlet. Yep. It's them teaming up on a new book. Okay. And I'm showing you the cover right now. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, the origin of the cr new criminal's criminal. Huh. I don't know what like I don't know what to expect here, but you know what? You have those two teaming up on a book. That's, I will pick it up. I say that's a that's a good twosome. Yeah, so definitely that's coming out from Dark Horse. I know that they have got um the new Kevin Smith book coming out, Quick Stops. Ah, okay. So that'll be coming out this week too. And if I'm not mistaken, top of my head, we also got the minor threats, um the alternates ah, okay. finale there coming out as well too. Like I say, they got Dark Horse always has some really good stuff. So if you haven't checked out them in a while, Definitely make sure to keep an eye out for that when you hit the comic shops this week. Last but certainly not least, uh, Image Comics is big Massiverse week. Speaking of the Massiverse, Radiant Black, number 27.5 and 27, respectively. Because if you know the story, you know why I'm referring to that. Is that? Uh, that'll be hitting there, plus Rogue Sun, number 17. So obviously big week for the Massiverse. And then from Boom Studios, crushing it this week. And one of my favorite series that I've been fortunate enough to get a chance to review and read, House of Slaughter, number 20. Ooh. So this is something that if you're a fan of something is killing the children, the James uh, Tynan story, this is the spinoff. It's the anthology style, so you get spotlights on certain characters involved with this Order of St. George. This uh, is going to be the conclusion of the current story arc. It has been a very, very cool read. So if you haven't picked it up, definitely make sure to go check it out. There's so much going on. You really want to make sure you hit the comic shops this week and make sure when you're down there, if you have a pull list, make sure you pay it up for the holidays. And as we always like to say, make sure you go out and support your favorite LCS wherever you're at in the world. And if you're looking for comic recommendations, odphpodcast.com and nerdinitiative.com starting every Wednesday, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Got them dropping every half hour now, Pat. Nice. On Nerd Initiative. We have so many. Last week, uh, uh, I was almost going to say a record week ah. for how many reviews between Tuesday and Thursday. 
a lot of stuff coming on there. Comixology Originals got a great lineup too coming out too. Man, there's just what a time to be a comic book fan. That's all we're going to say with that. But like we say, make sure you follow Nerd Initiative for all that news and then some too, along with odphpodcast.com, where you can find out everything and anything that's going on with the ODPH. That's it for this week. So for the one and only Pat Owanje. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Kenham. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Such waste of time Swiping left and swiping right On people you could know Cause anyone who's worth a damn Be worth way more than a picture could ever show You can find the right light Find the right angle And never find your soul And it can feel like a losing battle And this plot is full of holes This modern way of finding love Just makes me feel so alone And I can't be the only one Sick of staring at my phone So look up Talk to me A better way to spend our energy Just look up time fable everyone has just one true love all i know is you're across this table and you're all i'm thinking of so look up talk to me a better way to spend our energy just look up talk to me Swiping left and swiping right on people you could know